There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Yes, yes. Now I'm going to have a sip of a beverage because I decided to do the yes, yes. But then watch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Bubbles. <sighs> right. All these bubbles. Do you remember what film that's from? <laughs> do I remember what film that's from? All these bubbles. We uh, talked about the movie within the last week. You and me off the air. That's a great hint. Yeah. We talked about the movie. Watch this. I'll do it again. And in van. All these bubbles. It's like she's the one or something. No, it's a great movie. Have you watched that? No. You shit on the girl next door. I didn't you, shit on. I, I pulled all of my investment in GoodOrBad.com after that. More of an indictment. There's a character named Clitz. What else can you ask for? Alicia Cuthbert, sweet mother of mercy. You don't yeah. find her attractive? I do. Wow. Early two thousands, anything is tough. Is what I'll say. Like and why? I don't know. It's just weird. It was a, it's a weird time. The fashion's weird. What was important is weird. I don't know. What do you mean what was important? Uh, it's you like, like it now. We're talking about patriotism as long as you're... Right. No, yeah. It's my favorite thing. Um, no, I just... I, I find the early 2000s... Like when I watch Entourage season one, I think like, oh, a lot of this is okay, weird. Okay, I'm with you. That was nice. A lot nice. of this is weird. That's nice. I work with you on that since like, I just watched it relatively recently. Right. Why are the shirts so baggy and the jeans even baggier? And why would you think flip-flops would work with all of this? Uh, I'm bleaching your uh, tips. Yeah, frosted tips. Oh. Odd. It's just all odd to me. Oh, fair enough. So it wasn't the girl next door's script. It was the no. fashions of clits. Right. And some of the casting is odd. You didn't like Timothy Oliphant? I love Timothy Oliphant, but yeah. not in that movie. Like, I, I think of Timothy Oliphant, I'm like, ah, put my man in the Western or something. That's what I think about Timothy. She's Olsen. the one. You haven't seen it. I don't think so. No. She's okay. The one. John Mahoney will own your soul. I like John Mahoney. He is so good. All right. Ed I Burns. think you'd like that. I think you'd like this oh, one. Oh, this is like there's like isn't this where like five beautiful women are like going after Ed Burns and then Ed Burns like wrote the script <laughs> so it was like strategic. Uh, two. Okay. It's like Elizabeth Mann's in it. No, I don't believe so. Cameron Diaz, one of her first roles, and his girlfriend, Maxine Bond, who all due respect to Maxine Bond. And I'm glad that we're finally getting to She's the One from 1996. In a day when I said to you right before we said that, I go, boy, we got a shitload of QFTAs. Yeah. And I thought, I'm going to knock out a bunch of them, and now I'm on She's the One, and I'm gone. Maxine Bond was Ed's girlfriend. Edwards, I apologize. And... Unfortunately, I think the record would show struggles as an actor. Yes, would agree on her talent, but from a just straight physical appearance, I mean... High cheekbones, bro. Might give up solid food for her. Wow, look yeah. at you. I guess I found your type. I think she's really gorgeous. You would have thrived when being thin was all the rage in the 90s. We've moved past that now. Right, dad bod season. Maxine Bond. Oh, she doesn't. She doesn't even have a pic- picture on the Wikipedia. Yeah, it's never good. Only fifty-two bills, huh? She's still gorgeous. Yeah, five nine, tall drink of water. She was, a, yeah. I mean, Ed, Ed, Edward Burns. I think he's married to Christy Turlington. 
He was in, she was in the Brothers McMullen, and she's the one appearing in both as their interest of her then boyfriend Edward Burns, who directed both films. Yeah, in full circle, Edward Burns is in Entourage. Wow, we're showrunner for five times. We're gonna have a big QFTA today. Watch Glad this. you're buckled in. Watch this. Not in my town. Not in any of my five towns. Giant drama. Nice. The end of his long monologue really makes me laugh. <laughs> It was a big moment. I really think it's funny. Why the fuck did I bring this up? What happened here? You said oh, something about the just, bubbles. What the we fuck go. is the movie? Yeah. And all these bubbles. <laughs> this person who said that was also an entourage. This is unbelievable what's going on. It's like we've eaten the best mushrooms. Ah, shit. There's been a lot. HomeLoanExpert.com studios. Just saw Ryan Kelly Thursday at our client happy hour. Great to see him. Great to see him. He wants to fight somebody. I know. Boy. He really does. He yeah. wants to fight somebody in November. I'm so interested in getting back in the boxing promotion business. <laughs> that and the girl next door contest. <laughs> you could parlay those. Um, she's not, so many actresses have been entourage. That's why it's tough. Was it uh, who we talked about who had the threesome with E? Um, oh. Damn it. All right. At some point, I'm going to have to give you another hint. Yeah. Like a, another star of the film would be helpful. All these bubbles. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's I mean, I'll give it away. Chevy Chase. Was it Goldie Hawn said it? Was it like foul play? <laughs> oh, my God. I thought for sure that would give it away. Funny it Farm? Wrong. Is it funny? You talking about Funny Farm? <laughs> and one of the hints I said, you brought this up to me off Oh, vacation. Yes. Uh, uh, um, <laughs> Beverly D'Angelo? Yes. Yes. All right. Now the connections have been made. Was the film Vacation? She says all these bubbles. Oh, that's what uh, Christy Brinkley says. No. Damn it. That was Swing Waitress Russ. <laughs> he said I, she takes my order. He said I was ordering some fish for you and Audrey. For you and uh, Audrey, Dad. Audrey, yeah. Ordering fish. So funny. Uh, <laughs> okay, vacation. No, European vacation. Oh. And Beverly D'Angelo is in the tub. Right. In the right, unfortunate... Right, right. Hotel in which they were staying in London town. Right, and then a, a random gentleman <laughs> is on the. There's back to back bath shower scenes with Beverly D'Angelo. It made you think that they were wedging in nude scenes. I don't want to make that I accusation. Ken could confirm. And then and then Clark W. This is all spoiler alert from 1985's <laughs> European Vacation. So you haven't seen it. And then Clark W. Griswold gets into bed in the wrong room in this wonderful hotel in London town. Right, right, right. With right. the wrong woman. Mm, mm-hmm. And he realizes he made a mistake and she won't let him out of the bed because she would like him to penetrate her. Right, right, right. And then he says, I'm sorry. And then he, <laughs> uh, what was her name in vacation? Beverly D'Angelo. Ellen. Ellen. Ellen, when did you start shaving your legs, honey? <laughs> and then she wants wants him to enter her, and he says, "I'm sorry, I have a mild case of herpes. Right. I have to go." A line that you've you, you've repeated absolutely. once once or twice before. Absolutely. You putting European vacation over Christmas vacation? No, not even close. Wow. You putting Christmas over OG? I puts me to the test. God, I don't know. I mean, they're one A, one B. Then European vacation. I thought Vegas vacation was warm garbage. Yeah, really bad. Then they made the uh, one with Ed Helms, which is even worse. I thought Vegas vacation was still the worst. You it's know tough. why? Because they started doing sounders. Slide it was like hack radio. Yeah. Oh, my God. Nick Papa Giorgio, nice to see him, though. Right. Anthony Michael Hall <sighs> was certainly the best Rusty, so it... Vacation has that going for That's it. a shot at who's that guy that was in the Big Bang Theory? Johnny Galecki. There you go. Also an entourage. Once again, it always goes back.
What is that about? And he plays a real shitbag in Entourage. He's going after Sloan. Yeah, he was. I'd go after Sloan. Yeah, no doubt. God, who was I talking to? I feel like it might have been at the client happy hour. Might have been a coworker. So this could be an HR violation. Sure. But somehow Sloan came up, uh, and the female, whoever it was, and it wasn't like my wife was there, so then therefore, no matter what, I suppose it's inappropriate. Right. Goes, oh, Sloan. And I go, oh, mm. look at you. That's what yeah, I said. Would, That's what I do. I say, talk. look at you. Me and that person. And look at you is so... Right. You don't know what it means. It's kind of like when Howard Stern says, uh, and we've said it all. You've said it all. Yeah. So, like, yeah, I think, yeah, Sloan. Like, if I gave up solid food for, what's her name? Maxine Bond. Maxine Bond. I would give. I would go on a hunger strike just to have coffee with her. Uh, let's see. I want to just... Uh, so, uh, the, the, before we started recording today's QFTA, what, what date are we on here? August 14th, 2023. Um, I wrote an email because I was saying to Jackson, we got a shitload of QFTAs today, much less the ones that are stored in the file as the week goes on. You can always email them in, tmckernan at insidestl.com. One of them today was, uh, I was like, let me, let me handle this on TMA. It was about Iggy and KG and O-Town's relationship. And I read it. Now, you tell me. If you read it as such, I guess I can read it. Fuck, you know, whatever. Right. Um, let's see, it's already in the the trash file, so I got to go into the trash file. But I read it. I'm not saying because the email was trash, but because I've already tended to it. I'm going to preface this by acknowledging that I do not know the whole story. Obviously, do not know what has gone down behind the scenes. Iggy versus KG and O Town seems to be boiling over on the air. As a listener, the slapping and jabs they take on each other is uncomfortable. From my perspective, it seems as if KG goes out of his way to poke fun at, bully, and troll much of what Iggy brings to the table. One could argue that Iggy's lack of self-awareness brings much of this on himself. That being said, regardless of self-awareness, bullying is obviously not acceptable. The Megan Meyer Foundation plays such a huge part in Iggy's life, it bothers me that there is a chance that he himself is being bullied. You've consistently voiced that one of the reasons why TMA is successful is how TMA handles situations like this off the air and I feel like I have to interject here because I have what I've said about is when we've dealt with crap off the air as in ownership management situations we've kept that off the air Mm -hmm. that's why we haven't had situations where like hosts are at each other's throat like damn near ever the cat and Doug got into it one time me and the cat got into it one time Martin and Barrett but that was Martin had already done his last show at that point um. Yeah, I mean, it just that. that it, I mean, I'm, it, can you think of anything? Not you, since, you can say it. You can say it. No, really, of, for real. Not since I've been on the show. Yeah. Has been anything so anyway, that, that, so that. my point being, in reference to this gentleman's email, that has not been. It's just not been an issue on the show. You know, that's just that's just not it. We've definitely had issues th- outside of the show that impact the show, but not like amongst the people mm-hmm. on the show that were like longtime members of the show we had the guy pissing in the grade who was an intern and you know occasional pop-ups but not people who are long-term members of the show and certainly not of the, the four main hosts of the show since 2004 uh, all right uh, as the unspoken leader of the show and, and that was put in bold and italics Ooh. why is this situation not being handled off the air Someone who bullies and trolls members of any team is toxic. Curious to hear your thoughts as you seem to be buying stock and KG with his roles in both TMA and Sound Story. Thanks for your time. Thanks for reading. Please don't read my name on air, but for transparency. And he sent that at 8.50 this morning. And today is, uh, as I said, it's August 14th. It's a Monday. And 
I thought, well, hell, I, I, I'll let Iggy talk about it in KGO Town. I know his listing, so he can talk about it. I can't answer that question. But, but the way I took the question, Jackson, well, before I say how I took the question, how do you take the question? That's going to allow me to have a little more of my protein bar, too. Sure. Uh, I think it's kind of building upon false premises in some points. Like, there's nothing wrong with asking the question, hey, what's the deal with KG and O-Town and Iggy? But if Iggy doesn't view it as bullying and if KG is not doing it in a malicious intent, then you can't build upon the premise that, like, KG is bullying Iggy and or vice versa. So, like, if neither interpret it that way, so building upon that, as this person does a little bit in their email, I think is... Is it's kind of leading to something. Whereas, like, if you just ask the question, what's the deal with that? Then that can be answered, and there's no objective bias by either, anybody. God, I got to tell you, I really like your answer. You. Because the, the, the premise of what was a fairly long question, it's fine, I'm not complaining about the length of it, but it was built on a foundation that was, as you said, leading, if right. this were a court case, that is, that is not accurate. It, and so... And then also that we've handled the stuff off air. That indicates that over the, the 19 years of this show that we've had issues that we keep on. That's just not the way it is. You couldn't, you couldn't bust each other's balls if you didn't get along. Right. Agreed. Now, I think there have been successful shows like Frances and uh, Mad, Mad Dog, Dog yeah. where they didn't talk. I think that's happened with other shows. I can think of one that I'm aware of in St. Louis. I wasn't on it, but I and it wasn't even sports talk for that matter. Um, where two of the main hosts, or the two main hosts, however, were not talking. Um, but, you know, so I guess maybe it can happen. That isn't what's what I, when I've talked about things being handled off air, I'm talking about we keep the crap that people are reading about in the newspaper mainly, or stuff that we're aware of that is potentially going to be in the newspaper off the air. And that's just something that. I think has played a role in the longevity of the show because it's essentially a kamikaze mission if you start motherfucking management. Any right. business, though. Right, right, right. Any business. Especially if you have the opportunity to handle it with the management privately. Now, I can recall one time where I lost my shit on the radio, um, and, I, and I've heard it, and I go, God, I'm, I, I can't. But I remember while I was talking, I'm like, like I was conscious in the moment as I was screaming, and this was about shit that Dan Marshall had, had said, and Dan Caesar, the Post Dispatch, put in there. And I'm going, he's he now he's that now we're getting into an area now you're damaging my business, and 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 it's not accurate the things that are being printed. And I know how it works in St. Louis, where still people read the newspaper as gospel, and you just you know you just you kind of know it's like you're facing a pitcher and you know the arsenal and you just got to deal with it. You don't like it, but you got to deal with it. Uh, and I'm going, this is, and I am and I remember in the moment as I'm screaming, I'm, and Doug and the cat were sitting across from me, and I, I bet they were thinking, oh, my God, I've never seen him like this. And I remember going, wow, I am so fucking angry. I got to be careful because right. usually I'm kind Very of measured. A, yeah, kind of in a spot where I, you know, even if I'm irritated, it, you, you leave that at the door when you go into the studio. Um, yeah, and that was, I guess, 10 plus years ago. But with that all said, I appreciate the question. I'm glad it can be tended to because if other people are thinking that, uh, then I want, you know, I'd rather be tended to. Here's, here's the deal. This is the best way I can answer that question, even though we did tend to it on TMA. And that is we have had a handful of things that if somebody is uncomfortable with it being talked about on the air, the person requests in advance for it not to be talked about. I can think of 
all of us on the show, as in when I'm talking about all of us, I mean like Doug, the cat, myself, in the past have definitely said that. Um, I feel like it's popped up maybe other, maybe like the Plowhawk with with the thing. I'm, my point, but that's how we will tend to it. But there was an email a few months ago that I thought was rough on Iggy. Like it kind of went beyond, and I got done with it. And I said, Iggy, I said, hey man, if you, I'm that 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 I'm uncomfortable with that. Mm-hmm. And he goes, no, it's fine. He goes, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't care. And if he did care, he would tell me. And if he does care, then that means he's being dishonest because he, I ask him point right. blank. And I, what I really, I'll tell you, there was a time earlier this year when I was concerned about him. I think we've talked about this before. And that's when he took like a week off. And I was in Jupiter. I know that. And I was going, I wonder if something's wrong, but with his health, right. like his health, um, and that was handled off air. It was, it was a Sunday afternoon, I remember, because Tommy texted me, Tommy, who was really the boss, Tommy Mattern, uh, to let me know he was going to be off that week. And then I got on the phone with him because I'm just like, I hope everything's all right. right and right. if there was an issue, we'll handle it however we got to handle it, but it's private. And then, But he said everything's fine. He's just been sick, and he thought he was going to miss time, and he knew I was in Jupiter. He didn't want people knowing whether or not, or people guessing whether or not he was going to be in each day, so he just thought he'd take the time off. Now, do I think that was weird? 100% I do. And I'm sure, you know, if you were sitting here, I would say, yeah, that was fucking weird. I mean, just, <laughs> right. like, we don't really care. If you text us at 630, you're not coming in, we won't go, how are we going to do the show? You know, we'll be fine. Um, so, but whatever, whatever his reasoning. I've, I've known the guy since 1998. He's been on this show. The show's been on 19 years. I guess he's been on the show around half of those 19 years in, in one way or another. So my main thing is this. I just don't want somebody who I think is not a great person and by that I mean it's going to cause trouble around that's 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 all I'm asking for and so I think very highly of KG in O-Town I think very highly of Iggy along with everybody else on the show and so if that's it and if you build off of that foundation then you know that you can work things out if there is an issue right. but I don't think there is a real issue and so that is why um, you know, and now if I ask Iggy and he says, yeah, I am pissed off. And I'm like, okay, then you two need to, to right. work this out. And if you don't want him to be part of this thing, then you need to say something about it because it's not like Hubbard's going, yes, we'd like to spend more money. So you have six people on your HD two radio show. You know, this is me pushing for it because I'd like to have a larger social media presence in KG and O town specialty is social media. For That's sure. the reasoning. So anyway, uh, so I didn't mind the question. I, I, as I said to Jackson, what did I say right before we started the show? about that email um i don't remember. i do this to try to corroborate things so people know i'm not just saying shit right I, and i wish i could be of more help to you i said this is the the, the kind oh, of yeah. thing that i will miss the least right. whenever it's over right is still being i mean just for the life but, but you mean you know and i'm not this is, no, of course none of it's a shot but like doug goes oh i'm gonna have to take off next tuesday is that gonna be all right and i go well, i yeah, I mean, do whatever you got to do. You can take time off, right? But talk to Tommy. Right. So it's not it's not limited to the audience. It's just it, there was that period of time where I was the one, or our company was the one that was signing the paychecks, and just can't shake it. And it's I think it's created a divide between a part of the audience and me. Um, and I I hate that because I think they think I'm responsible for some things that I'm not responsible for. 
And so when an email like this pops up, which to me, Jackson was saying, how come you don't do something about Iggy and KG and O-Town? And what are you doing with hiring a bully? How do you I mean, how can you rationalize that when Iggy works at the Megan Meyer Foundation? Just like, just, you know, right. say what you really want to say, because I can read between the lines. I've been around long enough to know how to play the game. So with that all said, at least the question was asked. So it could be tended to if people are really wondering about that dynamic. But KG and O-Town is a good guy. And I think he's just fucking around. Um... And the thing with Iggy is, I don't, I, he's so, I don't know anybody like him. Nobody like him. And I don't know what is real and what's not real. Mm -hmm. So I almost think like what I think is real may be him playing things up, but I think it's real. I don't know. I mean, me and Doug sit next to him, and as I've said before, Doug said that one commercial break. Do you think it's real? Because we don't know. Right. Because I know then we'll read these emails, and then he'll be over there laughing, or we'll text, and he'll laugh, even when he's in the middle of what is considered like a pout-pout session. Right, exactly. So I can't fucking figure it out. Maybe it's just the highest level of... I know. I I have no idea. I mean, that's the thing. There's nobody... Nobody like him in radio, in St. Louis at the very least, and I can't imagine there are many like him because so many things have to line up in order for it to 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 be like you. You can't be married. Right. You can't have kids. You 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 know you got to have these unique sets of circumstances. You have to like not give a fuck. That's the biggest one. I mean, that's the well, that's the key in the game in general. Actually, right. that's when you really can experience. Like if you start worrying about whether or not people like you. You know, give me a tough road. Oh my! In this in this industry in particular, right. somebody want to come in? No, no. I just you I, know, I see what you're AD, up to. ADD, <laughs> oh, ADD exactly city. I look at anybody who but walks by. I want by. out you right here. Thank you. No problem. All right, I got a bunch of QFTAs here. Uh, let's see what we got. See what I do is that I just I, n- I never get to the ones on the on the line because I start at the the most recent. Uh, all right, uh, DraftKings Cal. Hey boys. First off, I'm thrilled that the show is finally getting the praise that it deserves via Hubbard. Sponsorships, audience growth, etc. As the great Stingray once said, this show is so stupid. It really, really is. Part of the goal of the show is the complete freedom to shape the segments however you'd like, i.e. no hard commercial breaks. Instead, live reads. Now, I could be off, and please correct me if I'm wrong, and I know you will, but I feel like there are more live reads and sponsors than ever before in the history of the show. Obviously, this is wonderful as the show does not exist without cash money, ho. Not to my question. In y'all's opinion, is there a point in which there are too many live reads? Uh, is that a part of the discussion both internally and with the Hubbard sales staff management? Is there a metric in radio that quantifies sponsored airtime to unsponsored airtime? I don't follow that last question. Yeah, that one was tough. I want to say, Tim, it's a brief interjection. During you reading that the whole time, Jamie Rivers was staring a hole through the back of you. Wow. And I didn't know whether to, to break well, it up. I turned around and I looked and then there was somebody yeah, yeah, else yeah, walking. Yeah. But no, this was Jamie Rivers, like, like literally as you started reading the question, was staring through that window. And it's tough for the because we're all exclusive. Yeah, I, him in. I know. I was like, going to hope that he could just pop in yeah. for a second. So when he comes back, because he's going to double back. I feel back. like when we're in here, like nobody should really, re- quote, respect it and just feel like they could come in anytime. 100%. Like anybody could. Right. That's like it's a TMA. Idea. Like, 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 put a little sign up on the wall. Come in if you'd like. Right. Friends to, yeah, drop by. Yeah. Like drive by takes. And who knows? Courtney Landrum, I could totally see like just dropping by. Learn would drop by. Learn yeah. a set. I need to be back on the podcast. So. We'll be like the Merv Griffin show. Yeah. I really would like that. That'd be wonderful. But people see the red light on and they're assuming like that we're, we're doing talking with Jordan. Right. That we're like, we're really breaking like we're Cronkite. No, we're talking. Yeah. We we're spent, talking about European vacation. I was about to say, we just spent six minutes on what film mm, all these bubbles was in. <laughs> 
Nothing really cutting edge going Wild on over case here. Of herpes. Right. All right, what the fuck was the question? Oh, uh, is there a metric in radio that quantifies sponsor time on I, I don't. I, I'm saying this respectfully because I know it's not your industry, DraftKings, Cal. I don't really know what that means. The metric that I would say is like any business: Are we making money on the money we're spending? And then what is the number that we would like to hit? Whether you're talking about a percentage or a dollar figure for your return on your investment. Mm -hmm. So if TMA costs X, Hubbard would like to make, and I don't know what their number is, 4X. Sure. I suppose. That would be lovely. I have no idea. I don't know. I don't know what their thought process on it is. Um, So with regards to the question about live reads, what I would say is that we we don't take breaks. Right. So Jackson and I do balloon party for an hour, and we take more breaks in that hour than we do in the three hours we do on TMA. Yep. So you have, as a listener, you have a choice. First off, you have a choice to listen, number one. But secondly, what is your preference? Because the alternative is, as Cal said, he likes that we don't have hard outs or commercial breaks. Right. So then if that's the case, then how you do that is you do live endorsements. And... Um, and also, and this is the truth, I feel like we talked about this maybe a month or so ago with regards to the live endorsements. I will not, and I don't, and it's just the way that we are, I'm not going to rave about a person or the way a person does business or a company does business. I personally do not know. I can read copy, but I'm not going to then put first person on it. It will not be a first person testimony right. because I'm not going to lie to our audience about it. Um, so that's been a great thing because like the client happy hour we were talking about, Ryan Kelly was there and James Carlton was there and Munganas was there Seth and Peter, Seth Goldcamp from Design Air was there, sponsor of this podcast online at designairservice.com that, uh, and James Carlton, sponsor of this podcast, loyal QFTA guy, James Carlton, carltoninsurance.net, uh, who is in studio today. He's my insurance agent. I, I mean, I, I, that's the, I use Design Air. I get my car from Munganas, St. Louis, Acura, and Alton Toyota, um, Dip that chicken in that Andrea's barbecue sauce. That's all true. Day long. That, boy, do I ever! Five times a week, probably. So good. Uh, I've lost. Not that I'm like trying to lose weight, but I got down to like 152 pounds when I weighed myself on Sunday. Jeez, what's your like maintenance? Like buck sixty, you think? Is that like where I, your I, sweet spot? I guess probably, probably give or take two pounds. Right. Is, you know. Right. I mean, the fact that I weigh myself every day and track all this shit. I guess it's because I burn a shitload of calories playing in tournament I played in this weekend, oh, and then yeah. I just didn't eat that much. And I don't drink booze when I play golf, and I'm sure some people are like what? I just don't play as well when I drink. And yeah. if I'm playing for a decent amount of money, right? Like if I'm just out there fucking around, then that's yeah. that's another thing. Anyway, that it's a fair question, um, but that's. I'm, I'm, in a way, I even hesitate to read it because I know what can wind up happening. Then it gets entered into like the TMA world of, oh yeah, that's, and then it kind of becomes a thing. War, TMA yeah, war. Like yeah, and you kind of like like okay, you guys are saying stuff that isn't true, or, right. or you're not including the proper context. But I can't really get involved, so now this will go on unchecked and just it'll become truth, even though it's not. So, I would say that we have approximately 18 live reads per show. If you combine, I do the vast majority of them, you do one or two, and Doug does one or two. That's essentially what our math is at, the, at as of August of 2023. Um, and that, of course, if you divide that by three, that is six per hour. 
and then you have a commercial break whenever for the quote-unquote 8 o'clock hour and a commercial break whenever for the 9 o'clock hour. And honestly, those breaks at this point, for the most part, are more about just giving us a chance to, to, to break, to piss. Yeah, breathe. To, yeah, to, yeah, to, to just, just to settle down. Right. Um, I remember filling in on the fast lane. I think I did it two days last September. It was me, Anthony Stalter, and uh, Marshy Marsh and the Playful Posse. And I'm like, man, I'm doing four hours, but you break every... I would say 15 minutes at the most. Yeah, 10 to 12. It's just a totally different vibe. Oh, yeah. I don't, I'm not saying I prefer that at all. I'm just saying from a, you know, because I, because I know what the outside person is thinking, man, you just sit there and you talk and get with your guys who you would consider friends mm-hmm. and you laugh. What a great thing. And it absolutely 100% in this, in this case, in this moment with this group. Right. Absolutely is. It has always been that, but for the most part, it absolutely is. But there is there is an element of the real answer is there's, and I don't even, I don't even like the word talent because I, I don't I don't like talent to me is like you're you're you got a short sided bunker shot and you can get the golf club with your body up to the point that you can flop the thing up there. Or you you know you can have some kind of ridiculous vertical. I've always said, and I know this has been discussed on here, that you have these unique personalities, all of which are relatively extreme in their categories, but they're just, nobody like worked on this. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. Like you can work on getting good with a bunker shot, or you can work on jump shots, or you know, recognizing a breaking ball and adjusting to it and hitting it or taking it or whatever the case might be. These are just our five personalities, and so we just come in and bullshit. Yep. And then if you're comfortable, again, the eight, what we were talking about with Iggy, like not giving a fuck, and now that Doug doesn't do TV, he really doesn't give a fuck, and he really didn't care about it that much toward the end anyway. I don't give a fuck for some reason. I don't know why, but I don't. You are, you've, been, you've been a longtime listener, but now you're part of it, and then you see that, you know, the kitchen turns out a meal that some people like to buy. Right. Uh, Iggy obviously didn't give a fuck, and Plowboy didn't give a fuck. So once you have that, then you have, you know, like Plowboy is so different than anybody else on the show. Yep. And Doug is so different than anybody else on the show. My point, all five people are so different that everybody contributes. And you can say, I don't know, who would be the closest in, who would be the closest in personalities of the five people on the show? What is your perspective on this? I don't know. Because my point is, you got like these five points that are all in different locations on the map, but then they come together to... Right, create like right. one mega crazy personality. Yeah. I'd say probably you and I, possibly That's possible, Plowsy but and then, then we got a 20-year age gap, which is great. Right. right. That's a great thing. It's right. a great thing. Right. Plowsy and I may be to an extent, although I don't think I bring the same level of take... Um, Plowsy and you, you said? Yeah, like oh, to, j- just based on age similarities, but yeah. personally, would you say Doug and A? I mean, you'd never say that. No. Yeah. Seems so that's the, yeah, you're right on that. Yeah, I could see me and you possibly, but then again, you got the age thing. Right. I, you know, and I think, I don't know. I don't know. It's tough to have like full on self awareness, but I would imagine most people look at me. And go, something's wrong there, you know? And mm-hmm. I'm not saying that, like, to be self-deprecating, because I do think something, I, by wrong, I would say not normal. Right. 
and I'm that's but that's the thing then you have that factored in with like a guy who is in his mid 60s and Iggy who's just content truly truly content perhaps the most content of the five by the way hmm. I mean fuck more content than I can promise sure you as that. hell is in me yeah more content than me um, Doug may have Doug may be at this point yeah. perhaps Plowsy really likes what he does man he he is uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. But he's carved out himself a nice little uh, routine. He does have a nice routine. So anyway, um, you know, to get getting back to the, the core question of the commercial thing and then the TMA lore thing, it's like okay, I can answer the question. I'll answer it honestly. But then I, what I found over the last few years, it doesn't really matter what I say. Mm-hmm. It's like if it fits the narrative, then great. Then we'll talk about hey, here Tim said this. But then if it goes against the narrative, and it's like we got to disregard it. Tim must be protecting something. And it's just like, can't we just agree that, you know, you might fucking hate me or think I'm strange, but, you know, I'm pretty straight with you, but whatever. So uh, that's your choice. And so, therefore, the live endorsements, the the people who have sponsored TMA in particular, I named a bunch there who have been with the show for years at this point, shit, uh, they get their ROI from the live spots being inside of the show. Right. And so that is their preference. So therefore, that is the pop, and that is how the business works, the business of TMA, as opposed to commercial breaks. So the com- we could have shorter commercial breaks, but then that means we're basically on for three straight hours. And so we do the live spots in there. So essentially, I would say that we have, oh, I don't know. I don't know how many, you would know better than me because you're running the board on the balloon party thing. Um, how many commercials run during that show? We have three different breaks. The amount of show content is usually around 42 minutes a day. Okay. So All right. Okay. That, that, there, that's good. That's good. Well, obviously, you're more than 42 minutes per hour on TMA. And even if you don't want to count live reads as, oh, yeah. you, you know what I mean? Because if you want to count each live read as, uh, you know, on the high side, we'll say 90 seconds, which obviously they're not. Uh, so then that means now we'd be at how, how much math here am I going to do math Probably on the fly? 52 minutes, so about 10 more minutes okay. per hour, I'd say, of show content. Right. So that that's – so, that hey, it's a fair question. Um, but the thing is, is, listenership increases, then you increase your rates, direct correlation. Right. And fortunately, as DraftKings Cal mentions, the listenership is – I don't know how he knows that, but we know that. We, the downloads – Yep. Um, the YouTube numbers. Engagement across the board. Yeah, that's that's accurate as well. And it's great that, you know, Hubbard recognized it. it you know, this is something that I've uh, said, I don't know how long. And I and a, and a guy who's been an advisor to me for more than a decade now, been invaluable. Um, we used to say, and this is while you were probably still in high school, whoever puts this thing in their cluster, and by cluster we mean at the time was Entercom, used to be CBS Radio, iHeart, which used to be Clear Channel, and Hubbard, um, and Emmis was around then. Now, a couple of the Emmis stations are now Hubbard stations. 105.7 The Point was an Emmis station. Casey was an Emmis station. And 97.1 was uh, Emmis, as well as 96.3. Now they're both Odyssey, which was Intercom, which was CBS Sport. Whoever, they're going to go, holy shit, it's been here the whole time. Right. It's been, it's been minutes away from us the whole time. Yep. And these guys don't cause any shit. These guys bring in money. And they have an incredibly loyal audience and a loyal base of advertisers. What a shame that we didn't do this sooner. Right. But 
you know, in a way, some of the scars are positives in the sense that, you know, there's more gratitude for where we are now, but also I think it's created, you know, some of the, the personality of the show. Sure. Because the show has, like, it's one thing if you're, like, just sitting at whatever you would consider to be a stable place. This certainly would be a stable place. It, 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 by Hubbard, I, I'm not talking about necessarily TMA, because who knows, you know, what, what will wind up happening. Um, and that's not necessarily Hubbard. Maybe I go, you know what, I want to move. And Hubbard doesn't want their people moving, and I go, I'm going to move. So I just take it all in-house uh, and do it on YouTube. I'm not saying I'm doing that. My point being, you never know what the future holds. But Hubbard is absolutely as stable of a spot as you were going to find as far as a climate for a radio corporation. And I, and I was told that going in. Um, but you just don't, you don't know what's going to happen and so along those lines, I think the fact that we've gone through what we've gone through uh, has played a role in the personality of the show because the audience feels like they've been cheering for the underdog for a long time. Yes, agreed. And I, also, I also think the market kind of shifted uh, towards more of what we do, both in content and in platforms, you know, like content wise, like what we do, the kind of self-aware, and this might be giving it too much credit, but like meta sports talk kind of model you see that really popular with some like pardon my take, which is like the number one sports mm-hmm. podcast, which is more so than what we, what we do more than like first take or Colin Coward. Oh God. And then also platforms kind of shifting, like being a podcast for so long or being in, like people taking it as a podcast for so long. Now podcasts have grown much more into the mainstay of the culture and YouTube being a possibility. Like the market kind of shifted more towards what we do on TMA, where like the significance of where you are on the dial is less and less important. It is interesting. That I, I'm not by any means saying we had anything to do with that. I guess maybe it's more of a it's more of a commentary on age. I think sure. Like so, what we do on Balloon Party, which from my standpoint, I don't have the numbers, but in my opinion. I would say with everything I own that the average age is older. Um, like that's not necessarily what some of those people want, mm-hmm. which is fine. Hey, good. Hey man, I'm not saying what they want is wrong. It just isn't necessarily what I'm doing, nor am I going to like acquiesce because right. what I've been doing has worked. Mm-hmm. Um, but also what on ESPN has done has worked. It's just, it's some people like some things and some people like other things. But I feel like what we do is more of a quote unquote younger feel to it. Right. With a great. But I don't but but this was a conscious decision to do this this way because when I was your age at twenty for real, like yeah, twenty five, twenty six, I thought to myself, this stuff that's on the the, the air in St. Louis is terrible. Mm-hmm. It's so boring. It's so it's I can't believe that it made money, but I know it did. I was the son of the general sales manager, and then they sold it for shitloads of money. Uh, I mean, for real, shitloads of money. Insane. I mean, $13 million. Right. $13 million, I fucking think. But it was the only one in town. And I'm just like, that's not, it might work for like, like, you know, the group that texts us from 10 to 11, but for young people, it's a huge audience that, that nobody is nobody is providing for the demand. Right. And so, therefore, if we can be the ones that provide the supply, then we're going to win. Whether they like us or not, and by they, I mean the olds, fine, fuck off. I don't care. Who cares? What does it matter? You just got to get a part of the audience. Mm-hmm. That was the thought process. So I suppose I deserve credit for that, but I didn't think that was like some kind of breakthrough. I think it was just economic 
awareness. Right. Again, applied to communications. And that's that's an edge for from an entrepreneurial standpoint to see something where there is a market, but nobody is catering to the market. And I but I, I only got there because I was a listener. And I go, this I mean, this is what is this? Like who who but I think oftentimes because you didn't have social media, the loudest voice would get the attention. And who is going to call into a radio station and complain about content? Or who is going to call into a television station to complain about content? Or who is going to write into a newspaper to complain about content? Who? An older person. Hundred percent. Well, who fucking cares? Fuck off. It's I, I when I when I would get off the set at KOMU in Columbia and the colonels we talked about last week were saying, wow, that was interesting. It was a badge of honor because they go, oh, we got three phone calls. Great. Hope next time we get six. Right. I'm not trying to irritate them, but I'm going to do my thing. And if they don't like it, fuck off. It doesn't matter. Don't watch. But I know there are plenty of people who do like it. And so that gets back to the TMA thing of if you don't really care, then you become invincible. Yep. And now yeah. we'll all be gone at some point. Like I said uh, at the end of Bloom Party, or at some point today during Bloom Party, whether it be death, retirement, just moving on, whatever the case might be. So if, like, the win for you who hate me or the show will be, ah, he's done, well, that's fine, but, I mean, it will end. Might end soon, might end two decades from now. I have no idea. But it's had 19 years. And I don't know who would say that isn't a win. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's had 19 years as those of us involved in it that know that it's been not easy to get to the 19 years. Right. That's the part that I'm that I'm in particular proud of. The thing that I'm grateful for is that I got to work with all these people who I really like and laughed my ass off. And that a bunch of people then considered it like some semblance of a huge part of their life. You know, I mean, that's the best. can say that for me. Yeah. Even before I started working on the show, it was, you know, it was what I listened to every day. And, you know, when you talk about what people like in terms of like the length of the podcast, like would you prefer shorter segments but longer? Like I would always prefer longer because I know for me, like whether it's in the car or like just like doing stuff around the house and I have my AirPods in listening to a show, like I want that show to go as long as possible. Like I want it to go forever. I don't want it to go on my phone and change to the next episode, you know, right. go to the next one. I'd rather it all just be there. Yeah, I think me. that podcast element, that's a big part of it too. Right. The people, that's, what, that's how people have gotten used to listening to shows right on demand whenever they on want demand to. and a certain kind of length like i loved stern in the long interviews but at that time that wasn't going on mm-hmm. and i do think and i can't remember who was saying this to him it was one of his guests relatively recently saying he really was for as much as he kills podcasts because his whole thing is if you really want to be a broadcaster being a podcaster is not the way to, and i think that's really an outdated thing i mean i'm not talking about like the guy who or the lady who you know has a podcast and you know has no advertising and, you know, this is right. a show, you know, right, it's like right, a momtrepreneur right. thing. But, uh, but he, his style of interviewing, I believe played a role in now what is super commonplace. Oh, I mean, the these long form interviews, the number one podcast in the world is Joe Rogan's and he does three hour interviews. You know, that doesn't happen without, I agree without Stern's style of long form interviews, but he was so good. He was afforded the option to like, go as long as he wants and call his own shots where a lot of people aren't in that state. But when you have a podcast, when you exclusively do a podcast, the world is your oyster. It can be as long as you want, short as you want. You don't have to adhere to FCC rules. You don't have to do this, that, or the third. You can just do whatever you'd like. And they kind of, people are kind of like 
taking a shortcut kind of puts a negative onus on it. But in this way, it's like the shortcut to that kind of freedom to do what you want. So I understand why people, both from a consumer and a per, people who produce it, gravitate more so to podcasts. And I think it's a great thing. And it, I don't I don't think there will ever come a time, I don't know, where I won't want to be able to, like, do this. Right. Or and if we could do it, you know, I mean, I realize you have, you know, Doug and age and retirement for him and Iggy. Um that certainly factors into it, but I love the ability to just get together and bullshit. Right. I don't know how long I will want to get up early in the morning and go into a place in St. Louis, um, but I will always enjoy being able to bullshit with people, people whose opinions I like, and then who make me laugh. You right. know that, and and so podcasting allows for that. Because five years ago, as weird as it sounds, podcasts, of course, existed. Um. But they weren't at the level now. And again, it's even five years ago, 10 years ago. Absolutely not. And so it, it opens the door. Uh, I suppose you can also say it saturates the market. But if you don't listen to something, does it really exist? Right. Does it really saturate the market? It right. doesn't. Is there a TV show market saturated because there's a thousand TV shows on? No, it's just more things for people to watch. Same thing with podcasts. More things for people to consume, you know, and if you don't like. Yeah, but I think the and then now we're seeing with podcasts, too. The boom is crazy because, like active athletes having their own podcast right. talking thing. in the middle of season like like what the kelsey brothers do or draymond green has done like having a podcast as an active player like that completely changes how things are like covered and you know that's a that's a huge break like could you imagine like if you know the 86 mets had a podcast oh my god right like it, it'd just be bananas so like now you think about it like it is certainly interesting. And also, I think that because of the barrier entry, like if you have working microphones and you can afford the $30 uh, for Adobe a month. It's a totally month, different world. Right. Like it's a, it changes everything. You don't need to be on the dial anymore. I'll give a little anecdote. Have I ever told the Chris Vernon story? No, but I love Chris Vernon, so I'm very much looking oh, okay. forward to hearing it. I figured you might be like, yeah, you might have. I remember you talked about like possibly trying to hire him. I did. Yeah. I, did, I didn't try. Well, I mean, I did. I did try. I, did. I did, was not successful. Right. Uh, this was when we were moving from 920 to 590. That's not the story, but uh, absolutely, I, I've I've held him in such high regard. I think he's either a year or two older than me or a year or two younger than me. So we're both in our mid 40s, whatever it is. But he's 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 from St. Louis, mm-hmm. I believe Parkway Central. Um, and I've been aware of him for a while. I'm just like, this is oh my God. We don't need this, you know. Whatever. I mean, I know there's an audience for it, but they're you know where they are. And that's not who I'm looking for, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and so I was trying to, and he's just so he's he's an NBA guy. Yep. He is, and he's the Grizzlies guy there, and he's also he was on the Ringer. He still he still does a lot of work with the Ringer. Okay, so either way, didn't matter. Sometimes people just want to come back to St. Louis, but I'm finding more and more that that isn't necessarily the case um, as much as it was like a lure for me. I mean, all I wanted to do was get back to St. Louis um, when I was leaving Columbia. And I knew I wasn't going to get to St. Louis right out of school, which is totally different now. But in 1998, 99, like, I'll go wherever I got to go as long as I get back to St. Louis. And my goal is to get back to St. Louis by the time I'm 30. So Vernon decided to stay in Memphis. I don't even know if he ever really, really thought about it. But... A couple of years ago, when we were talking about buying KFNS, uh, it certainly was in the newspaper way more often than we were talking about it. But nonetheless, uh, it was one of the things that we just kept off the air. Uh, I remember talking to Vernon again, 
And I said, I don't even know why we were talking. I think I was asking about what is Grind City Media. And I mm-hmm. assume that's still, that's the thing that you see, the thing that he's become known for is the Masters updates. Right. Tony Finau, where he be, be now. now. Now, Grind City Media is owned by the guy who owns the Grizzlies. I mean, yeah, like right now, I just went to GrindCityMedia.com. There's something called the Jessica Benson Show with C.J. Hurt on. C.J. Hurt, a former uh, member of the Grizzlies. I don't know C.J. Hurt. I don't know Jessica Benson or C.J. Hurt. Um, but either way, it's a, it's owned by the guy who owns the Grizzlies. And so I remember talking to Vernon, and he goes, and he gets going. He's great. But I mean, that's a you know that's a that's an A radio personality. So it'd be weird if he you know sat there in silence. Uh, and he goes, dude. Why would you buy a radio station in, you know, I don't know what year it was, 20 or 21? He goes, spend the money on a studio. Look at this. We're, we're not even on a radio station. We're just on YouTube. Yeah. That's, that's, he goes, and the people you want are the people who are going to be able to find you there. The people, you know, you don't want to get a radio station in 2020. And I'm going, yeah, he makes a good point. So in relation to that thinking forward, it's like, yeah, let's see if this thing can still perform if... We are essentially not on the radio. I mean, we're on the radio, but it's not the primary platform. No. But, you know, I'm not I'm not moving all of my chips in there. The show will, the members of the show will be provided for, um, and we'll see if we gain traction. But I recall when I was deciding on this and then another situation and, uh, and then possibly buying the station that... Uh, the thought process was this is most likely the future. It's really the present. It's certainly the present in Memphis. But let's see what we can do if and when we have an opportunity to work for this particular place. Because in our industry, and you may not be as well versed in this as not necessarily me, but the people I would talk with who work in radio. Hubbard is considered, you know, the creme de la creme of radio ownership. Now, I think even the people at Hubbard would say there aren't a lot of places that necessarily have great reputations. So in a way, it can kind of like, you know, take whatever analogy you want. You're leading the American League Central, so to speak. Yeah, right. But, I mean, I can tell from interacting with the people. I'm going to talk about just like John Kioski and Tommy Matter and Keith Krause, the people who are in charge here in St. Louis, but the people at the corporate level, it's just a different feel. Mm-hmm. And, and and completely well aware that at some point we will probably part ways. You know, not not angrily, per se. Um, ideally, it's not. It's just business. Whatever. Whether right. I want to go on or they want to go in a different... Whatever it is, it's business. It doesn't need to be like a scathing article, you know, to get clicks from people who have never lived the city of St. Louis. And so th- that is something that I'm like, let's give that a shot while we have it. Sure. Even if I think that this that this direction could be the way the future goes, let's give this a shot while we have it, because it won't always be there. This could be the only time. And let's see. And so from that standpoint, it has been in, in incredibly rewarding. I mean, better than I could have ever thought. And it's funny, because John Kioski, who's the market manager, said, you know, it's so we joke about we did do 20 versions. I mean, when you 20 versions of contract, that doesn't mean like it was done 20 different times, but there were, tw- there were 20 different changes. Mm-hmm. So there were literally V20 before mm-hmm. I signed. And he goes, you were coming from a place where you basically had PTSD because you had dealt with, you know, different kinds of situations. And so you wanted, your attorney wanted everything 
I mean, as tight as possible because of because of that. And I understand that. And he goes, and we didn't know what the hell we were getting with you guys. You're telling us, you know, you have these advertisers. We've had plenty of people come in here over the years say they have all these advertising dollars. And then turns out they don't. Right. So we don't know. So all we wanted to do was make sure we broke even. And if we made money, we made money. Well, you know. But so there was kind of like this feeling out process on something that with the benefit of hindsight, it's one of those things. And again, Doug Vaughn Nirvana, also oftentimes Doug Vaughn's simplicity. Can you even believe we weren't, we were considering not right. coming here? Right. But again, that's now we know. So I'm glad even with believing that what like Vernon and Grind City Media is doing is not only the future, but the present, it is great to be able to work with true professionals and, and like people we really like and respect, whether that be Agreed. on air or behind the scenes. Agreed. That's uh, so rare. Do you need to piss or something, or do you, or do you want to ride a sip? I feel like you're bouncing, and you might need to piss. That's my read. If my read's bad, you tell me. I'm all right. All right. Is everything okay? Yeah, all's good. All right. Sometimes the ADD kicks in. Hard oh, is that right? Okay. I just felt like you were moving around. I'm like, oh, you got to piss, and I'm going, and I'm going, and I'm going. Well, I also am uh, constantly like just fidgeting. But do you need to piss? How's your prostate boy? I don't have to pee. Nice. All right. Bad read. Bad read. Uh, let's see. I'm getting a lot of texts about things that don't have anything to do with the podcast, and I want to make sure. Um, all right. Let's see what I've got here. Jackson's getting up. I still think something's going on. I want you to know that. That's now on the record. What was that? Sorry, my headphones are off. I said, Jackson's getting up. I still think something's going on. I want that on the record. All's good. Mm-hmm. I'm comfortable. Mm. When you make that sound, now I know you're buckled in. <laughs> Tim and Jackson, when you guys decided to make the move to Hubbard and broadcast the show on YouTube, what were the expectations for viewership numbers? 20 months in, have you met or exceeded those expectations? That's from the Crystal City Clamhammer. Uh, I don't think we put any like hard numbers on anything. We just wanted to see if people would watch, and they are. And, yeah, I don't think, uh, obviously, growth is always the goal. You want to grow as much as possible, whether that be over months or years. And so we've seen growth. People are watching. And ultimately, that's the uh, that's what we wanted to do, you know. And, and being on YouTube is a huge help for that. Just being on camera for social media clips or just for, you know, having it out there, having more options for people to view and listen to our show is all positives. So in terms of that, I don't think we had, like I said, any real hard number goals but to see subscriber growth, which we've had, and viewership staying steady, people still watch up in the 200s every single day when we're on live stream. That's really cool. Uh, Jackson is essentially, t- I figured we were going to have the exact same answer because we both know what the truth is, and therefore I don't need to necessarily say anything. There were absolutely no conversations about what the YouTube numbers would be. I know this. I can say this. Tommy Matter and programming. The YouTube thing is huge. Yeah. And I, if anything, I probably undervalued it. Um, but with now the benefit of hindsight, the YouTube thing is huge. And, but I thought it was going to be big. Yeah. I don't think I appreciated Because, again, as weird as it is to say, because we're talking about less than two years ago, the number of shows that are now on YouTube versus the number of shows that were on YouTube in August of 2021. Oh, it's, yeah. Exponential growth. Yes. Yeah. It's almost now at a point that if you're not... You're a little behind. You're not a little behind. It's something must be, you must be in a, right. a situation of some sort, you right. know, and that, 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 like, it would be tough now for us to not be on YouTube. Uh, I mean, yeah. I guess that's the best way I can answer the question. As far as the question with 
uh, expectations. There were there were. I, I, here's the real, this most direct thing. Let's hope. Like, well, fuck. I just said it. Actually, in, in response to another question, we don't know what we're getting. Let's hope we break even. And if we can monetize HD two, and by monetize, if we can make money on HD two, then great. But let's let's give this thing a shot, uh, because I was adamant and so just certain. God, what a what a what a fucking mess if this didn't work. But I was so certain that it was going to work. But I didn't think I was like I got a hunch. I, I had numbers, right. you know, I had dollars. That's what I meant. I didn't want just numbers; it was dollars. But I did have downloads that I could show. And so, what what they care? They care about making money, just like any any business. Right. So, so some of these numbers at places tout, they kind of become like trace and privates. Like if you draw a little more aggressively, you can make your your dick look bigger. But it doesn't really matter if it's not making her happy, so to speak, or him. We don't kink shame. Never. We have. don't. We don't sexual orientation. You always say orientation or preference. Uh, sexual orientation. So do I, because preference makes it sound like it's like a choice, which is is certainly not. Yeah. Um, well, I would imagine. I feel like I've seen some situations late well, you, at night. Right. You can make like minute choices, but right. like in terms of the grand scheme of who mm. you are attracted to, mm-hmm. uh, that is not something that is a choice. Although some others will tell you it is. Now, what I'll say on the YouTube thing, and this is kind of not in the vein of TMA on YouTube, but just YouTube in general. So we're moving off of cock size. Uh, We never move off cock size. Somehow it'll come back up. Um, No pun intended. I think YouTube is the greatest, I don't know how to say this, media- Danny Orlowski over there. Invention, certainly mobile app, which is media invention in the history of mankind. Because it's not social media by chance, but- YouTube, like we just talked about that bubble scene in European Vacation. In, in 10 seconds, I can look up that scene and watch it right now on YouTube. If my father- Oh, that's outstanding. Right. If my father, my father always tells me about going to the country. He's from the middle of nowhere, Illinois, and they had to go further deep into the middle of nowhere, Illinois, uh, some days to go to the country, as they called it, where he said there was nothing to do. You just stared straight ahead and they, and they had no AC and it was brutal. If he had a device in his pocket where he could watch anything that's ever been recorded in the history of man at any given moment, his life would be totally different. And I have that capability right here with YouTube. And kids have that ability. Like, YouTube is the greatest thing to ever be invented. And it's, I feel like in a way, like Amazon, what it is now is is much different than what it was when it, when it came out. But the ability for me, I, I mean, I don't know if I, I, I haven't thought through it to necessarily back up the take, but my appreciation for it at any moment, you know, like my sons, they love watching music videos from music that was my childhood music in addition to some stuff from, you know, recent years. But, and it's just like, yeah, let me type it in. Okay, Jamison, you want to watch, you know, fuck, you know, shit that you probably shouldn't be watching <laughs> with the music video, we'll put it on. And the one-year-old bounces and dances, you know. <laughs> That's what I got going on in the basement. Uh, but to be able to watch, like, like there's one of the things that pops up is our show. And I'm like, oh, you want to watch Dad's show? I don't really want to, but you guys, <laughs> and then nobody even thinks of anything of it. Like, I don't give a fuck, you know, right. let's, let's watch, you know, this. Uh, yes, I agree with you. And to be able to watch interviews anytime or anytime. clips of interviews, anytime it is—it's so informative. It's so helpful. Like uh, was I, my son was skating yesterday, and it looked like for whatever reason his hockey helmet was loose. I never skated. I still don't skate. I just go to the rink and then I sit there and I watch my Lucas Glover bit. That—that's that, what I did. 
Uh, and I'm like, God, how do I know that there's a way with the flaps on a Bauer helmet to, you know, I'm sure hockey guys are going, oh, my God, your, your son's doomed with you not knowing this shit. So all I had to do was, how do you adjust a hockey helmet? I mean, if this were my father and I were the one skating and it's 1980s, he'd be doomed. Right. You know, or he'd right. have to help that, that another coach or somebody could come over and, and do it. It's just everything is there. Barbecuing, which I am acknowledging I'm not really great at. But I've gotten better at it because of YouTube University. 100%. I'm telling you, man, like it is a total, like anything in the world that you've ever been recorded is basically on YouTube. You can watch it at the touch of a button. Like I could spend my entire afternoon today watching YouTube oh, yeah. videos and I would go by so fast. Like I could get rid of every streaming service. If I had YouTube, I could entertain myself for an evening. It's, uh, it's, it's changed so much in so many different ways, but specific to the question. The question about uh, our expectations. All I know, I was really high on it. I remember like older people are like, this HD2 thing, you know, what a dumb thing. I'm like, okay. You know, I mean, if, that, if that's where your focus point, focal point is, then it's fine. Like, have fun. If you're, if you're like radio person, honestly, I, you're not, that's not who I'm really going for. Mm-hmm. I don't, right. it doesn't matter. That's not, because that's not where it's going, you know. So, you know, sit there and bitch about the game not being on Channel 11 tonight. It's fine with me. Right. Have fun. Right. Don't care. Don't need you. Not to say I don't want you, but I don't care if you're with, with me because it doesn't matter. That's not the way that the game is, is being played anymore. Um, but I think the person, when it, when it came to YouTube, I was high on it. I think looking back on it, I wasn't as high on it as I should have been. And Tommy Mattern truly was. He, I, YouTube's going to be huge. YouTube's going to be huge. And the only two shows that were on YouTube initially were us and the Riz Show. Right. And now I believe every station, I know we're on now in 101, and I, Courtney's on on 106.5. Everyone has cameras. I think uh, Courtney like uses it for like social media clips. Okay. I don't know if they go live on YouTube, but everybody has cameras. So it's it's just, it's it, it, on podcast now, I mean, again, not every podcast, of course, because a lot of them are operating just for hobby purposes but, you know, if, if you have one that's making money now, I mean, I, for real, I look back on this with what is this podcast and, and probably the first 100 or two ep- 200 episodes and the quality for real. It, and it's not about me hosting the interview, although it probably played a role in it. But the guests that John Seymour in particular was able to book for my podcast. And if all of those interviews were on YouTube. Oh, yeah. Holy shit. Game changer, yeah. Now, Nick Yale was in here, not here. It was a studio in KFNS, which was certainly smaller than this studio, and that's not a shot at KFNS. It's just the, the, this is what the building's specs were. Um, he had a camera, but it was just on the guest, mm-hmm. you know, and the way to make something move is ideally one on the guest, one on the host, and then a two-shot. Ideally, you have to have cameras set up for that. Now that would be able to be done. And then to put those clips up and then able to, and then the, the awareness it would do for this podcast, which started in 2017, it's almost six years old now, because it was October 1st, 2017, I believe was our first episode, Gary Pinkle. And I did that at Pinkle's house in Columbia, so that would have been tough. But to then put that up, I mean, holy shit. Yeah. It's like, it's tough because I've done those interviews. It's like Taylor Swift going back in to re-record, <laughs> except she can do it. It's her shit. Right. All these people already came in and told their stories, right. you know? Right. But a lot of them were kind of life story interviews. So, certainly some were current events or current issue, current sports issue, current politics issues. But they, I mean, it was really... And I guess some people still do come in for podcasts. It certainly seems that way. But it's a lot less than what was going on. Again, this is only six years ago. 
it was an expectation that you would come in. Of all those interviews that I did on this podcast, let's say out of 100, God, I'd be surprised if 10 of them were not in studio. Mm-hmm. Murth Theismann was on the phone. Right. Um, have a bit of a rapport with, with him, um, from him busting balls that he's my father. Uh, both him and my mom were in South Bend, Indiana at the same time, so that's a, that's a whole thing. But for the most part, I mean, almost everybody was in studio, so they came to Kirkwood to do the interview. Right, which is now you can plug a, a mic into right. your computer on Zoom and sound just as good. Right, and so why would you? I mean, even right. like Joe Buck, who's been on this thing a bunch and is working on Sound Story with me, uh, you know, he would do it. He lives, God, if he lives 10 minutes from here, but I wouldn't expect him to come in. No. And he'd be like, can't I just do it from it? I do a million of these things. Can I just do it? Right. I wouldn't even ask him, even right. though it's 10 minutes from here. Right. So in a way, that's really unfortunate that the timing didn't work out because I would love to have those. And not even only for my own, I think audiences would, you'd be much more apt to go back and go, God, I didn't even know these things existed. Holy shit. Listen to Gary Pinkle talking about the shit that he's talking about. Or Mazalock, I had him on plenty. Bill the Third had him on, you know, multiple times. There's just some really... And the video element of YouTube truly adds to it. And I think it's added it to the show. I think what it's also done is it's made the show's audience younger and also exposed it to more people because now they see the video clips right. on social media, which is why I'm so high on uh, KGNO Town. Uh, all right, Jackson, what else do we have here? How are you doing? Everything good? All is great. Okay. Man. Right. I love QFTA. I know. I know. I know. I just I felt like you were moving around like you had to piss. That was my read. It was oh, a bad read. Mean- the ADD just runs so okay. rampant. That's fine. That's fine. Pay me uh, no mind. Now, is this from Patrick Patrick, who's becoming a, a force in God, the YouTube I chat? So. I don't think so. Shit. Hey, Tim. Yeah, it's definitely not him. <laughs> it is amazing that we know that it's not just by that. He would never say, hey, Tim. Uh, a while back on TMA, you talked about a survey that highlighted the level of regret that college graduates had about their specific majors, and it got me thinking. I have a business degree that has served me well to this point in my career, but I really don't feel that it prepared me to do anything but work for someone else. While I don't regret the field of study, I do think that my university should have done much more in the way of fostering entrepreneurship. The College of Business did a great job in preparing me to be a good employee, but essentially did nothing to teach me how to start my own business. I'm about the age you were when you started a radio station, and though I don't have a particular business in mind, I would love to hear a deep dive on your experiences in entrepreneurship. I think that some insight into your thought processes at different points in your life, lessons learned, general advice, etc., would make for a compelling podcast. If not a podcast, then maybe you can get Hockman to ghostwrite a book for you when he's finished with Iggy's <laughs> St. Louis Radio Odyssey. Take care of that. It's from Patrick. Yeah, it's definitely not Patrick. Patrick 101. Um... Well, I, it, it, you know, I've, I've talked about starting Inside STL, which was 2005, and a lot of what I would consider to be embarrassing mistakes. But I also look at those as going, that's, as I said, like with my son with playing hockey and skating or golf, you don't show up to the range or the rink being able to fly or being able to hit a ball 300 yards. Right. It's, it's a process. So mm-hmm. while it's embarrassing, I suppose I'm one of the few people with a platform and also, I suppose, a willingness to talk about like, oh, I fucked this up. I fucked this up. I can't believe I didn't know this. I was literally having that conversation with uh, one of my shareholders with Sound Story yesterday afternoon about, you know, different classes of stock. I guess I've heard of that. But now that I'm actually dealing with it and an operating agreement, mm-hmm. 
like just what I've learned over the last few months with the sound story, you know, I guess a sound story situation for lack of a term, but you know, are, are bringing on investors and expanding this business. I didn't know this stuff and I, and I consider myself fairly intelligent. I didn't know it. And so as I've said a couple of times on this podcast, I'd be on these calls and I'd be like, this, it's it's embarrassing. And this is this is 2023. This is now. Right. And but at the same time, part of it is being comfortable with going, okay, I don't know, and then asking questions. And if and having essentially no proud or no pride in in going, okay, I know this this is incredibly remedial, but I want to make sure I understand this, especially if I'm signing it, or I want to make sure I understand this because I need to make sure I'm clear to to this this particular person, whether it be an attorney or an accountant or an investor, whomever, I need to understand that. So that bring that, you know, that's, that's current day. And I don't know, I, I suppose when I think of people who I've seen fail, there is, there is a, there's kind of a common couple of traits. There is, there's certainly, um, incompetence but there's arrogance more so than incompetence and the arrogance leads to this false bravado that if you've been around and especially I feel like kind of coming from where I come from and I don't know how much you ran into it because you probably ran into it but in a different way because we're coming from different you know and I'm not saying you're old money and I'm you know I'm not saying that stuff but you know I, growing up where I grew up and going to school where you went to school mm-hmm. I think you may have been exposed to some things that I wasn't exposed to probably the first 14 years of my life um, that you know it's and it's a it's a it's a weird thing but I can absolutely spot it I hate it and the shit that I talk about often playing the role that was the thing I remember hearing my dad say that in the 1980s is playing the role thing and playing the role, now I say to my wife, I go, God, I can't be around that crap. You know, he or she or they or, you know, acting like, and I just, I have no interest. No, okay, you got $10 million in the bank, great. You got 1000 in the bank, great. I don't, I couldn't care any less. Right. But just be whoever you are. I don't need a show. I don't need to hear about this fucking stuff. And so that is... If you have that going on, especially when I think about, like, when I think about the people in radio who crashed and burned, uh, that's certainly a common thing. But beyond that, because when I'm when I'm thinking of these, I'm thinking of like people I came across here over the last 15, 16 years outside of radio. In addition, I suppose, and I'm like, yeah, there's this constant like arrogance that was so unfounded because usually. Usually. There are exceptions. Don't get me wrong. But I feel like, in particular in St. Louis, because I think it's going to be different if you're in L.A., Miami, New York, Dallas. Um, But in St. Louis in particular, if anything, what I have found is the people who actually have had success is there's also a correlation with humility. Right. Now, there's there's a handful of exceptions, but the ratio is certainly way more humility than, like, being ostentatious or acting like you got it all figured out. Um. And, and, and part of humility is not just like not flashing so much as going, yeah, I, I don't know. Right. So let me right. ask. Right. Um, and I, I would say another thing that I would that to answer this this person, Patrick's question that I, I, I would say is the most important thing. I guess I would say two most important things. 
and it's not about anything to do with a fucking degree. I don't have a degree. Um, be so careful with who you let in your circle, just with a period at the end of that, that sentence. Um, and I mean, I'm not talking about. I, I would choose. I would choose for the business not to start before I would do business with somebody who, in the moment, not after the fact, but in the moment, I got a bad feeling about. Mm-hmm. Again, period. Can't tell you enough about that. Now, if a business continues on to additional rounds of funding and so on and so forth, and you have venture capital coming in, well, you're not going to know everybody, and that, that's a different deal. But I'm talking about the outset, building your foundation. And then secondarily, surrounding yourself with people who you hold in, in high regard, with different powers, like a team of superheroes, essentially, uh, and utilize, if they're willing to, and I have found that, that many are, their counsel. Because mm-hmm. a lot of people, like if you're just interested in business in general and entrepreneurs, and I think that a lot of entrepreneurs just respect people who have the courage to take a shot, then they will also take time to help you along. Because most entrepreneurs have not forgotten that they were the guy or the girl with the idea right. 5, 10, 15, 25 years ago. And there's a probably a gratitude if they were successful that they feel some semblance of moral obligation to pay it forward sure. and they will, they will help out. Um, I, I missed on that in 2005. I feel like I'm on that in 2023, but that's 18 years difference. That's a lot of life. That's a lot of lessons. That's that's watching a lot of people be successful and a lot of people fail and finding the traits of those who have been successful and what they do. And then watching the traits of those who have failed and what they do and also how they treat people. That's so that's a, that's another element of it. Um, and I feel like this stuff is, is, is a truth for entrepreneurial ventures across the board. Again, talking about small business, relatively speaking, that you can apply these principles to, you know, one of the things that we're doing is we're going to have a board, which is by no means cutting edge. And people picture boards and they think of succession and they think of, you know, Kendall Roy begging the board to vote his way. Right, Elvis boy. But that is, you know, you can have boards and you can have boards of directors, which have, as I'm learning, you know, uh, carry legal weight and advisory boards. But it all, no matter what, either way, there is accountability. You're not just running things. Right, checks and balances. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a good thing. I would tell people, and I still mean it, I want people to dissent. I want people to dissent. I want people to dissent. Whether they truly dissent or they're just playing the role of devil's advocate you want that you Frank's don't perspective because to me another trait that 100 percent. let's think this through mm-hmm. because you know one of the things especially at the start of a business especially if there's capital at the beginning and i man i've seen this with advertisers at times whoo some advertisers have come through and they're like they got so much money in their bank account and they're just like oh my god and then they get some ridiculous budget well of course the the platforms take your pick of whatever platform is more than happy to take the money sure even if they're going oh my god this fucking thing's got no chance right but now this company's got a bunch of money and they're thinking is you have to have people around who will provide balance. And so at the beginning of a business, there oftentimes is the honeymoon phase because somebody's not going to invest in the business unless they think it's a good idea. Sure. So of course there is this, this is great, this is great, this is great. And then after like the first whether it be quarter, year, whatever it is, and things aren't necessarily so great, then it's like, 
Oh, shit. Right, when shit hits the fan. Right. Or this isn't performing like you thought. So you've got to have people who will keep you in check and hold you accountable. I'm not talking about, like, tweeting at you. I'm talking about, I'm talking about you know, in a, in a room, a board, and going, okay, well, why is this? Why are you doing this? You know, and, and that there is a level of accountability. I think that is so important. But at the root of it, I suppose it's the same thing you could say about TMA. You don't want to let one person in because that who can be a problem because that person can then Im- infect the people who weren't necessarily problems and poison the well. And there's so much truth to that. There is so much truth to that. I can't emphasize that enough. At some point, who knows what winds up happening with Sound Story. I have no idea. I know what we've accomplished to date. And I know what we're working on now, um, but maybe there will come a time where I will tell a story about this process that I've been um, active in over the last few months and some decisions that that I made, um, certainly with talking with other people that I never thought I'd be in a position to say no to, I suppose. But just like this isn't right. I know it's not right. And it's going to be a problem if I say yes. And, you know, and I look back on this with some of the radio stuff over the years, like, yeah, I knew that was a problem in the moment. You know, I knew that was a problem in the moment. Those are the those are the ones that are tough to live with. If you know in the moment, that's kind of was where I was with with some career decisions over the. And I look back and I go, yeah, that was. I knew in the I just had a bad feeling about it in the moment, and sometimes it's intuition, but intuition is there for a reason. It's not an abstract intuition. It's a subconscious feeling that is brought based on experience. Trust it. But have people around you who can help you, especially if you're going to start a business. I'll tell you, I, I, I think there is there's such great value in the freedom that comes with being your own boss. I can't overstate that enough. There's also great value, something I've said a hundred times, both on TMA and on this podcast, of not lying in bed on a Sunday night and dreading the next five days but also um, being your own boss. And I've had times of that in my career, probably some of the happiest times of that were, were in my career, or happiest times of my career were when that was going on. Because then you can just do, you know, if you kind of know your thing, you don't have to go, okay, now we got to go do this because we got to go do that. Changes the dynamic. Of- oh, it does. But I, I'm co- I like the responsibility. I like the responsibility. That's the thing that's been tough when people like what we started with, with the Iggy, Casey, O-Town thing. Like, yeah, I'm not the fucking boss right and it's really frustrating because if i were the boss then perhaps I mean, if i were the boss and that was like my capital then case you know time not to be working here right. but but i understand why he's not because this operation is going yeah this thing does this and this thing does this and we got to look at the revenue on this and now we're going to have six people working on this show and i mean what in the world what the hell are we doing here why the fact that we have five audits fucking strange much less six so i understand that right but I, you know, so it's just the things, things are differently. And they've also built things incredibly successfully. This is, this is my baby. And sometimes you're going to look at your baby a little differently than somebody who is what's not right. your baby. Well, close to the project. Absolutely. Yeah. Which is why it's good to have people who will dissent. But uh, I'm happy to answer any more questions for you, Patrick, if you want me to do it away from the podcast. But so much of it, again, it's got nothing to do with radio or take your pick of whatever industry. It can be the restaurant industry. Don't let don't let a, a problem in the locker room right whatever that is whether Fox it's, in the oh kind of my situation. god i am telling you i can't emphasize it enough 
I can't emphasize it enough. It is such an important thing for your day-to-day happiness. It is a hell of a lot easier to say no to hiring people or somebody's money if they want to invest than it is to get them out of the investment group or to fire them. It's, I, I feel so often, this will take us down a different road, especially one right in your sweet spot. I feel guys right around your age range mm-hmm. and a little older will more often, as crazy as it fucking sounds, especially now as somebody who's been married for 11 years, 12, almost 12 years, uh, and divorced, uh, albeit 15 years ago, but still, will get married because they feel like that's the path of least resistance versus the breakup. Mm. Wow. Oh, yeah. And like I said, you're 25, so you're at the very, very front end of it. And I just go, God, oh, I just want to... Squeeze them tight and say, just do the breakup instead. God, yes. And that's my analogy for business. Yeah. Again, this is coming from somebody who will be the first one to tell you I'm like the kindergarten level of of understanding business. That's why I speak not necessarily in, yes, make sure that you do this with the operating agreement, you know, and have this, that, because fuck do I know but I'm talking about the people I'm, I'm a big and it, it's interesting a few of the people who have invested in Soundstore are like I love the idea but I know who you've assembled in the group right and who's running it and so on and so forth and I, what I've found in my success in investing is I bet on the people right matter of fact two of them immediately come to mind uh, that I, I heard that two separate people who don't even know of the other that's and that's kind of how I am um that the, the people from my standpoint if you believe in the people good people smart people who you know they're going to work their ass off I mean I, and, and I like the idea well then fuck right let, let me let me put money into that all day long but if it's somebody I'm going oh this person just wants to make sure they're in the newspaper or this person wants to make sure they're at Napoli you know telling everybody they own this or something like that that's not where I'm going to be putting my money so from my standpoint quality people smart people and you'll sometimes have to say no but you will be long term much better off for it uh jackson any thoughts on anything in the world uh, uh thoughts on um, the nuggets mm, thoughts I, on dennis gates and his recruiting thoughts on shut up Peyton marshall seven foot 300 ain't nothing to sneeze at um well i'll say i have two things mm. one the hardest thing i've ever done in my life was say no to anal no, it was awkward. It wasn't difficult. Um, was breaking up with somebody. So you know where I'm coming from with this thing. It's fucking brutal, because it's for me like my personality is not confrontational. Yeah. It's not abrasive. It's much more so like. It's interesting because mine is confrontational abrasive. <laughs> That's why we work so well together. <laughs> um, yeah, it is like I am. It's just not who I am. But I knew I had to do it. So I obviously. What does anybody in my situation do is immediately call their father and say, how do I do this? Nice. Because YouTube wasn't giving me good information, right. so I called the man himself, and uh, he played it out. He told me exactly what was going to happen, and it happened, as he said. He goes, wow, he goes they're going to brush by it and say, you're joking, or this. Then they're going to throw uh, the emotional at you by starting to cry, and then they're going to throw the physical at you and try to have sex, and then they're going to start getting really angry and and, and Oh, my God. This is confrontational. I, I, had this, I literally had yeah. this happen. They're going to start throwing, like, they're going to try And we wound up to... not breaking up, and I fucked her that night. <laughs> right. And he goes- And like, wasted another, like, 20 months. Right. He goes, 
he goes, you've seen Sopranos, right, Shaggy? I said, yes. He goes, you got to go in there like a gangster, and you got to look at them, and you got to get through their brains on your new Ivy League suit. Bada bing. Like, you got to just do it. You have to rip the Band-Aid off. You this can't... is your father telling you this? Yes. He goes, you can't. Wow, I didn't know uh, he had this in him. He's, he's a gangster. And he's the most loving, I know, that's why wonderful human in the he world. Is. But he's like, he goes, if you think and that this. And by the way, he's 100% right. Yeah, he says, you know, he's like, you got to go, go into it. Like, he's like, if this is what you've decided is the right thing for you, he goes, if you're going to do this, you got to do it the right way. He goes, you can't. He goes, because once you give in to, you know, the pushback, then you're going to be in an even deeper situation oh, when you right. try to do it again. Oh, he's so right. He's like, he, she's going to throw everything but the kitchen sink at you, but you can't. You have to leave there God. doing the duty. And I did, and it was brutal. Wow. Like, I would never want to do that again. Wow. Like, truly painstaking. Look at this. I'm Uh, glad I said, Jackson, you got anything on the nuggets. I got got quite a nugget. Thank you. Yeah. And then the second thing I have is on Patrick's email. The entrepreneur question. Right. And I'm not, when I say what I'm going to say, it's not like casting aspersions at him personally. Mm -hmm. But I feel like there is this dogma kind of like mainstream take at the moment where it's like school should teach you personal finance and like get rid of these classes and instead teach you how to balance a checkbook like that's something people do um and they do like uh, first of all schools have that i had personal finance finance one two three yeah i had finance both in college and in, in high school and honestly in elementary school we talked about it a good amount too i can understand you saying make it a core class so that you have to take it because it was an elective when i was in high school that I understand, but they do have that option if you want to learn about these things. And secondly, they're like, well, why do you need trigonometry or all these all these things? But if you want to be an entrepreneur, entrepreneurs are much more so, in my opinion, like their attitude and their ambition is more what fuels them, not like book learning. Like you can't oh, necessarily learn. About, I agree with that 100%. Like you can learn about business and books and stuff, but like that ambition. It is and a that, trait. And that spirit. I don't know if you're born with it or not, but it is a trait. I agree with I that. I feel like you in part. You taught to be an entrepreneur. Right. In part, you're you're born with it, but then also you're conditioned towards it. And what like math is in a lot of school is so much less about like the, the actual formula and the numbers you're getting out. And you're it's more about problem solving. It's about the ability. Cat's preaching right now. It's the, about the ability to learn through experience and and critical thinking and critically think. That's a big part of English and philosophy, and then problem solving. And you and you part of that is learning crazy math. Like yes, of course you're never going to use y equals mx plus b when you work, you know, in car sales. Like that is not going to teaches you to problem solve and right. the brain to think in the abstract. Absolutely. That's that's yeah. I I mean I, it's the same. I'm sure in eight nine years my son will be bitching at me. Why do I have to learn this? Hell, probably sooner than that. But that's it. Right. You know, I wish, I mean, maybe my parents did say that. I'm sure my dad was like, oh, this shit tonight, Missy. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I, I, that's, you're so right. Everything, everything right there, that five minutes, Jeff Burkett's knowledge on the uh, the breakup, for real. I mean, what a great thing. I'm so, what a great, I really do. Right. Cause and, it, it's I mean, a it's, brutal it's, process. It's, it's, you look back, that time is so valuable. And it's one of those things, this is child, I, I, I told you this, I will never be like, you know, like, parenting guy i just like you'll figure it out on your own and when you do if you do then you'll then we can talk about it sure you know but i'm not gonna yeah you gotta do this you gotta do that oh it goes so fast all those things you know but with regards to like the prime age to fuck <laughs> <laughs> there is a time oh there is yeah 
and it is in my rearview mirror. That's fine. Right. I mean, it would be weird if I'm like, oh, I can't wait to go out. It would be weird if you're like, now yeah. is the prime time for oh, me to start. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. I just, I'm, I'm, I'm good. It's great. It's wonderful. Unfortunately, if anything, I'm like, oh, I, I did. I enjoyed it. Not right. like I was like, you know, I don't have any, I don't even know if I, I don't even know if I guess I'm in double digits, but it's not like some crazy number. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed myself, but I'm, I like, I can go, okay, I did it. But I also can look back and go, that time is optimal. And in St. Louis, the window might be even narrower because, at least in my period of time, people are getting married. They get married young. I still feel like that's probably the case here relative to, like, a New York or L.A. Um, but that's just a Midwest and South thing. So you got to seize whatever 18 to 24. And if you are wasting that time with somebody you know. Isn't the person. I mean, I'm telling you. I am telling you i can give you whatever experience and be self-deprecating although it's not self-deprecating i'm just telling you how i how i experience shit with any business that i've been a part of and it's true and it just may sound self-deprecating and that can be valuable and hell maybe it can help you become you know wealthy it'd be flattering if i can but the most important decision anyone will ever make in their life is who they get married to right I can't, it just in every fucking way. And plenty of people will tell you it's the worst business decision a man can ever make, at least with the current divorce law, which is, to me, absurd. Criminal, actually. I would, And that's coming from somebody who had a pretty easy divorce, mm-hmm. by the way. Criminal, 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 criminal. But if you have a, and, and you don't even have to be married, but I suppose it certainly turn, changes the dynamic because there's some penalty, but if you have somebody who you are looking forward to being with, going home to, somebody who is supportive, somebody who makes you laugh, somebody who, importantly, you want to fuck and they want to fuck you, mm-hmm. it's a big part of life. You can talk about it in a crass way. I used to say, not say it's half sex, you know, because it's too crass to say fuck, whatever you want to call it. I don't care I mean, if you're fucking. It is invaluable. But if you make the wrong choice or if you just choose to go, fuck, it's easier to get married and it'll be fine. Oh, I did that. That's the person. That's the person. I'm going to talk about the person sitting there eating a bunch of shit or smoking darts or doing junk or whatever other habits, drinking too much booze, whatever, whatever, whatever. That is the one that will make your life miserable in the present and then can fuck you up in the future. Right. Because either you divorce, and if you're a guy, most likely, now, Certainly, things have changed now where you can have and do have plenty of women who are the breadwinners. Uh, you are now paying out. If you have children, it now now you have a domino effect on it impacting their lives. And you yeah. can say, oh, it's wonderful. We're co-parenting and we get along. That's good. Hey, great if it, if it works out that way. But you are living through hell on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. And then you will pay for it financially. I am just telling you, I got a little peek. I got a little peak. I mean, truly a little peak. Because, again, when you're married for three-plus years and no children, anybody who's been divorced after being married for a long period of time with a big family, that they would go, well, you didn't really experience what I, you know, what I experienced. And I'm like, I don't know what you experienced, but I can't imagine what you experienced. And the game is the attorney. That's why when we talked about, was that movie with Adam Driver and Scarlet Story? I am telling you, when I was watching that, I, I, I had to stop. Yeah. I've never had that happen with a movie, ever. 
because I saw like psychologically, and it's been 15 fucking years. But I'm like, oh fuck, I see what they're. And it's a movie. It's a fucking movie. Right. And I'm going psychologically. I'm like, oh my god, I see what the, the attorneys are doing. I know the little game. They, you know. I mean, Laura Dern won Oscar for a performance uh, as the attorney God in that. Almighty. Oh, I mean, I just if there if there's anything that over the however many years I've been doing this stuff that somebody can take away, it would be that. Yeah. I'm telling you, the entrepreneur stuff. I don't know. Maybe I got lucky. Whatever. Maybe I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. And TMA. Maybe I got lucky. I don't know what I'm talking about. Whatever. Sports opinions. Whatever. Maybe you know I'm off on religion. Maybe I'm off on politics. I don't know. But on this one, I feel like this is an absolute truth. If you go, oh boy, I don't know on her, and I'm not talking about how she's gonna look, because hey, it's it it doesn't usually get better. Yeah. Okay. So understand right. that program. Lesser Charlie is. Uh, yeah. I understand that program. Uh, but if you're going, God, the way she handles this, or the way I am when I'm like this, and how then she reacts to that, whatever it is, and this goes both ways with ladies. You know, I know we have so many female listeners. Uh, whoo. It's the most important thing. And I feel like if you get it right, it's the greatest investment you can ever make. Yeah. And if you get it wrong, you pay for it for a very long time, potentially forever. Yeah. For as long as Such you're Such a living. crossroads. Uh, that's why I'm like, I, there is not a bigger decision of importance. There's not. Because it it, it, it it not only affects the two of you, it then impacts if their parents, if the parents are still alive, mm-hmm. siblings, and then, most likely, children. And then their lives. I mean, you're talking about, you don't realize it until right. you're in it. And right. I've done it, again, on a on a, a very small scale, you know, almost to the point that you don't, that people who've been divorced with families would go, yeah, you didn't do it. And I get that. But I see it, and I go, God, I mean, what a huge, it is the, and so that's why when you talk about the breakup thing, I'm like, I'm so happy, I'm like, your father, God bless him. <laughs> yeah, for real. Because he's 100% right. Like, if my dad would have told me, because I remember trying to break up with this girl, and it was like, Eric, I mean, it was, I saw that she was emailing an ex. <laughs> I mean, it was, yeah. yeah. Writing was on the wall. Yeah. And I'm just like, I don't even know, I don't even know how, you know, I mean, it was a long time ago. And I'm just like, huh. No, I'm, I'm out, you know, right. whatever. And then it becomes a whole thing and, you know, not letting me out. And, you know, so it goes from the I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, then to the anger. And then physical by physical, I mean, like, not like, you know. Right. No, I see. What you're like, like Turner, I'm talking about, like, blocking the door and, you know, and then I'm like, oh, fuck. And then, you know, like 20 minutes later, we're having sex. And and then I, you know, I knew I was never going to marry her. And then you, and I go, God, that wasted, like, you know, 25 and 26 my like your age right now that's prime time i'm not even talking about getting late that's just a prime time in life especially to waste it with somebody you know you're not going to marry or get to a point where you go fuck it's either marry or break up with her and i just feel like so many people just go i guess i'll marry her and i'm just like ah i just want to that's where i want to right you know let some dumb shit who you know is a you know whatever invest in your business before you marry the wrong person and i and you go how do you know they're not the right person you deep down you always know deep down you know deep deep down you know deep down you know it's tough but the short-term pain 
is well worth the long-term gain. It truly is. It yeah. absolutely is. So oh. I love the fact that somehow, I don't even know where you came from with this story, but your story about your dad there is so accurate. It's the, mo- it's the most valuable thing. Yeah, it was true. And everything he predicted was happened, absolutely That's happened. So like great. Ba- basically in Damn, that order. Wow. What a gangster. Um, but unfortunately, I left my favorite long-sleeve T-shirt in her room. Well, let's let's give her name and no. see if she'll... Oh. No, 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 no. And... Um, yeah, going back into that, that would have been like returning to the scene of the crime and and, and, re, and trying to like pick up pack of gum I left. Like that was just unfortunately a sunk cost at that point. And I really love that T-shirt. Man, it's from the future 2016 world tour. I mean, this thing. So now I can do the math. I was about to try to ask when this happened. So this is a very, I mean. What was it that happened in college? So you're like 18? 2018? Or was I 18 yeah. years old? No, I was like 19 or 20. Okay. Yeah, uh, but like so like it's I tough said, you can count those. But hey, good. It's good, but again, great that you learned it then. Right. But that's a prime time too, like college. Well, it's hundred percent prime time. But you're probably not marrying the oh, girl no. you're with at nineteen. No, but I mean, there is cases. Where oh, absolutely. Is... I would say probably ten to twenty percent. Right, because I wonder what percentage of people of couples who get married met in college. I would say it's probably. It would be the highest percentage of those who of... went to college. That's an important distinction. Sure, you know what I mean? Because sure. in your, uh, yeah, I'd say that's probably like the, the highest. highest I'm not above, saying like, like a little yeah. work thing. Right, or... right. I would say that would be the dating highest. app. Now I'd be curious what that would because my my time is different than your time. You know, yeah, just like my time is different than, than people who are 20 years older than me. But um, yeah, I I just I can't emphasize that. I can't I can't emphasize it enough because it could just it just, ooh. And and let me here's another thing, by the way. Now mm-hmm. this is this is like future, and I don't think it'll be your future. But my read is on the especially if you're in St. Louis, you know, I mean the pond is very small. There can be plenty of fish. Well, yeah. But all the fish have run into each other yeah. in the pond. Yeah. And, Familiar fish. Oh. It isn't the scene, you know, as I, I I know I've said many a time on this podcast. If I were to get divorced again, I would be, I'd, I don't even, I, I might be more like Ken Strode. <laughs> I have, I am, I am out. I am out. And if like occasionally like there's like a, you know, 30 year old with like a couple of kids who have no interest in meeting who, you know, occasionally wants to hook up, you know, come right. on by and, you know, it's fine. We'll engage and that'll be wonderful. But I'm it's just, it's, I'm I am good. Mm-hmm. I am good. Right. I, I am. I have no interest, none, in just the. I don't even. So know. you're wearing more or less track suits. Track suits. Yeah. What is that? I don't know. I figure. I. I like. I'm just picturing my head like freshly single. Tim is always in like a a track suit. I don't. I'm just. I just. I. I, I don't know what the. I, I am wearing a. Long pant today. So am I. I'm wearing I like a, a long pant. I, uh, I, well, I t- like I said, I took my son to the rink yesterday, and I can't skate, and all the other dads are out there flying around. Really? The f- dads are out there skating? Can, oh, yeah. I'm so behind. I feel badly for him. I don't know. I mean, he can definitely skate. That's for sure. Five years old. That's great. But, you know, and the kids, his buddies are like, why aren't you skating? I'm like, I can't skate. And they're like, we'll teach you. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and all I'm thinking about is I don't want to fall, not because I don't want to look bad. Golf course. Golf. Yeah, no, that's I get it. that. 100% get yeah, that. Yeah, that's it. That's, why that's would you it. risk well, it? I mean, I'm sitting here with this sh- the shoulder. I'm like, why One would I? I'm playing move. the best golf of my life, 
easily right now. I'm on this mission that nobody else cares. I, I can picture telling my wife, I'm a scratch golfer. And like the reaction would be like, like when Iggy asked Keisha Gray about working <laughs> with Bree Mills. Hmm. Right. That, that'll be it. You know, my boys are too young to give a fuck. No one, you will care perhaps more than anybody. Doug won't care. No. Plowboy won't care. Iggy might care a little actually. Well, you're not, he's not caddying for you, so I don't know. <laughs> it's true. And it's like, why? Wow, that's my thing. But yeah, I'm like, but then at the same time, my son's out there and how great it would be. Like I see the other two boys out there skating with and they're flying around there and they're, their dads with them. Yeah. And there I am in the stands by myself <laughs> watching Lucas Glover. Yeah, but you'll have a catch with them. Like there's stuff have that- Have a catch. Yeah, there's, nice. you'll can sh- shoot the rock with them. There's other things, but it's just like, I'm the same way. I, I, I can't skate and I also have no interest in doing it. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's. I didn't either up until having a son who does. Sure. And then I'm like, oh, Probably he can kind of yeah. he can kind of skate and what a great. And I'm sure it burns calories and be a good workout. It seems like it's fun and you're flying around. But I just I do not want to fall and fuck up my shoulder. That's, yeah. That's that's the core issue here. Ice skating in general is too whimsical for me. Too whimsical. I yeah. like that. It's so it's just so full of whims. As you know, let's center ourselves a little bit. I haven't even gotten to. Is there, we have a rock story, Tim? No. Wow. But I just have a bunch, and I just haven't got, I'm still in August. Like, I still, there's still a bunch from, like, going back to June. I'm like, all right, today's the day, and I just can't. I got time. Well, I got a dentist appointment at uh, 1.30, and it's 1243, so we're kind of on the clock. I'm going more. Yeah, I don't know what this one is. I, I remember this, and I, but I don't remember what the question was that you asked me that I said would be better for the podcast. Maybe this will trigger your memory. This was sent in on August 2nd, and what is today? August 14th, so see if you can remember. Tim, listening to Balloon Party yesterday. Jackson asked a question that you said you could go three hours on. I would love to hear more of that on the Tim McKernan Show podcast. I know the questions are supposed to come from the audience on that show, but if there is a good discussion around the topic that Piddles brings on Tim and Boy, still my favorite personal favorite DBA, I would love to hear that elaborated on. I know that in the beginning you all had hoped for Balloon Party to be more of a QFTA-style shit. I had forgotten about that, but yes, that absolutely was what I was planning on doing. What a naive fucking idea that was. Oh, are you uh, with me, or do you well, tune I, out so, for a moment? So you said August second, right? Yes. Well, I have a history oh, of do. all my questions. Oh, this is great. So this would assume it would be so, from August first. Let's see. The email was sent August second at nine twenty-five a.m. Right. So okay, this is gonna be good. Right. But remember when we were do- like, I was kind of. What do we got out there is Riverback? No, no. <laughs> Again, it's just anybody. Can walk yeah, it doesn't matter. Uh, I remember going back and forth with Tommy on the balloon party thing. Right. Going, I just don't really want to know. I just don't. I. Because it's going to be so easy. I said, you got to understand, at this point in my life, in my career, I'm not looking for, like, easy. Right. Like, choosing the right movie is more important than, like, making more just because it's easy, i.e. what's going on with whatever the fuck happened to Robert De Niro and his project selection. You agree. I res- That resonated with you. He did a movie called The Intern with him and Ooh, Anne Hathaway. Hathaway. And I'm like, this would ne- he would never. What happened? Ever. Does this guy just have a terrible alimony? We're this talking guy, about the right spouse choices. This guy was in fucking Taxi Driver and Raging Bull back to back. And he's, uh, let me do The Intern I am with telling Anne you. Hathaway. I'm telling you. So that was my whole thing. I said, here's the thing. I do this thing called QFTA. I love doing it. That, that to me is the move. Mm-hmm. That's what I want to do. And he goes, okay, fine. And then sure enough, it's like I get on there. And I'm like, all right, we'll do that. And then I had no idea what that audience right. expects. And then we got the uh, Shane, Shane Beamer Mayo question, which will forever live in infamy. I wonder if there's audio of that. There's got to oh, be audio I of that for somewhere. a fact that there's audio of it. So yeah. Anyway, going going back to uh, to uh, what? Yes, that that lasted for a day. I'm like, oh, 
Shit. What doesn't exist I mean, is... I'm telling you, for real, I got when your little closet studio thing that you're in during TMA, and I, I don't know what the fuck to do here, but we got a problem on our hands. Yeah. Because this isn't what... This isn't... Yeah, yeah, this isn't it. And I don't, <laughs> you know, and I don't know what the hell to do. And here we are a year and a half later. And every day, if like people tune in, like today, the guy goes, those guys get suspended. Suspended for what? <laughs> Maybe me saying I'm looking to become a sex worker. <laughs> I might have done it. <laughs> it's literally Fonzie like jumping the shark. Tune in, like just joy, like just waiting. They just want to see the prisoner shot, you know? <laughs> yep. So they've been they've, they're like, pot committed to seeing uh, our downfall because oh they've been It's to an it unbelievable thing. It's, it's got to drive them up the wall. That I don't give a fuck. They've never probably crossed paths with somebody like this. Is in the mountaintop for me. Right, <laughs> I don't right. tell you. More to achieve, you yeah. know. So uh, uh, so what's what's going to happen probably will be I'm going to go. Okay, I'm going to focus on sound story. Let's see if we can work this out, and 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 I'll the balloon party will be the thing. I don't even know that this will be, and they'll be like, "Oh, Tim got fired from balloon party." That yeah. is my there is my if you would like my Nostradamus moment. Yeah, I mean that is you could write the article yeah. now and just hit, <laughs> hit like draft. Yeah. When it's ready, you can just fire it off like an obit for someone who's ninety nine. Uh, but anyway, uh, so this was a, I what do you say? Uh, hope for Balloon Party, but more of a QFTA-style show, but that had to morph because of the 101 listener being banty. Well, I took my cap <laughs> yeah, to this guy. Nailed it. Uh, I was listening to the first question on QFTA from this week, and to kind of back up, and to kind of back up what the notion was on the LA Times article. So this goes back to the Arnado thing, because that's the only time we were talking about LA Times. I was very skeptical that it was real when I first saw what you posted, just because there is so much clickbait on Facebook these days. When I saw it was an L.A. Times article, I thought there was more validity to it, but still had my doubts that the Cardinals would ever get rid of Nolan Arenado. One question I had for you was what language the FCC will allow. Just for my own curiosity, I have heard you say cock. <laughs> this is great. I don't, But this is like one of those Danny Tanner emails for email of the day where it's like one thing and then it just went into another thing, yeah. I think, unless I'm missing something. Yeah. Did we talk about FCC regulations on Balloon Party? No. I'd be open to. If I, I could have a question. Oh, Little pills, FCC boundary <laughs> pushing. I have heard you say cock, and I thought that was a no-no when referring to male genitalia. Not a no. That's actually not it. You can't say cock sucker. Right. That makes sense. Well, Carlin, seven dirty words. Right. Was it shit, piss? Yeah. Fuck, cunt. Yeah. Cock sucker and yeah. tits. I feel like you can say tits now. I mean, keep in mind, Carlin's seven dirty words is like the early 70s. Right. I don't think. But I, it kind of became the outline for. The I mean, it's, yes. Yeah, it's seven dirty words is. is kind of like the profile right. you have but on. The, thing, the things that I've always found amusing about it, Doug's, Doug's a big language guy. Not like the appreciation of the language like Carlin. Like he wants language regulations. Mm-hmm. And I just, whatever, that's fine. I tip my cap. Right. I love Doug. It's fine. I, I think it is, the, it is the ultimate. I don't know if it's the ultimate dogma, but it is. It's just so dumb that we empower Certainly. words that people can lose their jobs over them. But whatever. It is what it is, and I understand the rules, and so I just, okay, when I'm on the radio, I don't say them, and then when I'm in here, I just talk how I talk, including in front of my kids. I'm sure people are like, oh, <laughs> I don't know. I just, you know, and I'm like, okay, so, Jameson, if you want to say asshole, you can say it, but it's got to be around me. And then if you, I'm telling you, you say it at school, all hell's going to break loose. Right. And so I'm talking to him like he's a 46-year-old guy. He's not. So I don't know what the hell I'm saying. And my wife goes, oh, God, you can't, you can't, you know. And I'm like, 
I know, but I can't passionately say you can't say this because I know I'm saying it, and I think it's dumb, so I don't want to teach him something that's dumb. Mm-hmm. Then how come you can say it? I don't have a great answer to the question. It's tough. I know, but I really think people can... Don't be don't be an asshole. Feel free to say asshole. Right, I'd rather what, someone... What was yeah. conflicted early on in my childhood is if, if you said asshole, then you were an asshole, and then as I found out, plenty of people who will never say asshole are the actual assholes. You following me on this shit? Oh, yeah. Motherfucker. I don't have any deep dive requests at the moment, but if one comes up, I will throw it over. Thanks for all you do. I really enjoy listing. Seasons, seasonings is pleasonings. Aren't they? Dan Murdoch. I thought it was seasons is pleasonings, but else. Seasons can also be pleasonings. They can be. I'm not really a big fall winter guy, for the record, as far as seasonings being pleasonings. I love fall, but I understand. I I know. I'm already dead serious, already in the fuck. It's going to be 106 next week. That's so, I don't know. And the thing is, once it rolls around, I guess maybe it's now because I have a family. Yeah, it's probably is a little different. Yeah, I don't mind it. Yeah. I don't mind it. Mm-hmm. I, like when we're in the middle, it's like, oh, it's a whole thing to go down to Florida. Um, and I love it once we get there, but it's a whole thing. I'm kind of happy here, and it costs as much as it comes. I'm kind of happy here. Yeah. Now that my five-year-old's entering kindergarten, the, the, the flexibility is gone anyway. Anyway, so what was the topic that this gentleman wanted to hear me go on and on for? I have it. Um, what, do we ha- what do you think it was? Well, I'm almost positive it was this, just going back okay. in the old memory bank. Seasonings is pleasing as Dan Murdoch. This yeah. is what you wanted. And just briefly on the cock thing, uh, we did a, <laughs> we did a, a, a segment, or a, a, we read a link about like most popular fetishes, and cock and ball torture was up there. <laughs> and uh, in the, the sometimes in the lobby of Hubbard, you'll hear our show. God. And I was walking out. I was I'm like, in awe when I walk in every morning, oh, and it's crazy. number one that it's even playing. Right. Like, why? Like, hey, I'm flattered, but you have five huge radio stations, and our nitwit thing is on. It's a rotator, and like I'm, <laughs> I'm weaving, and there's like someone waiting for, oh, in the God. in the lobby. Sound story, guess. And like, and all of a sudden, I hear like cock and ball torture, <laughs> like really loud. And I was like, oh my God! Like, I hope this person has already signed the deal by the time they're sitting in here. Otherwise, this oh. it's gonna be in trouble. This organization. Oh God. And like it's, we have a very sweet receptionist who's you know. Oh yeah, could and, be nicer. And there she is, just sitting there, and there's cock and ball torture going on above you. It's this perfect up there with when Frank Opinion was reading the Dota email, and that was being played throughout the, the building. Shrubs of a bear. Right. All right. Here's the question. All right. What do we got? We've seen we a got tr- dentist appointment. Thirty-eight minutes. He might be he might be late for this once I read this one again. We have seen a trend around baseball discourse with fans picking and choosing what story they want to believe and what they want to call fake. We saw it last week with the Nolan Arenado rumors. Again, I'm reading an old question. Yes, this is uh, first. Yeah. Do you think this is akin to baseball fans watching their teams in the playoffs with national play-by-play guys on the games and thinking they are rooting against their hometown ball club? Do you think this trend is, again, a byproduct of social media, or is it further connected to print media falling out of mainstream relevancy? Wow, it is a great question. Um Here's my overall, and it's probably better to talk about it in here because I actually, when I'm thinking of it, I am thinking of politics. That's what I'm like at the core. And I would never say that on TMA because we don't talk politics anymore. And I certainly wouldn't say it on 101. So that's what I'm thinking. Like you cannot, I was listening to a podcast last week and they were, I wish I had the, the numbers, the actual numbers of the percentages on this poll regarding Donald Trump and his indictments and then also running for 2024. And if you're in one bubble, you're going, how in the hell could they possibly elect somebody who's indicted? And 
and and, and and you know so and I know that's more close to, to where you are it's certainly more close to where I am as well I don't think I'm but whatever it doesn't fucking matter who cares and then if you're in the pro-Trump bubble or even Republican bubble uh, but not necessarily make it great again right you view it as just another bullshit log on the fire even if you're not a Trump person right even if you thought January 6th was terrible right and so when you hear the numbers the the indictment is absolutely irrelevant which is wonderful to hear from this standpoint it's not wonderful to hear however you want to view it or how it's wonderful to hear it's wonderful to hear that from the standpoint because in my world i go jesus is a huge deal but i'm not going to be voting for him right that's not who he's he's not looking for me anyway uh, it's not like I'm going, boy, this Biden guy, I'm a big fan. That's not where I am. I'm just like, any of the same reason why I voted for Hillary Clinton. I'm just like, I can't possibly vote for this guy. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure plenty of people voted for Donald Trump. Go, God, I can't believe this guy, but I can't possibly vote for her. That mm-hmm. was 2016. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 2008, I felt like, I'm like, oh my God, we have two great choices until McCain did the Sarah Palin thing, which I'm sure he died regretting. But nonetheless, uh, eight years later, I'm going, oh my God. And shit, eight years after that, we might, I might go, oh, my God, right. you know. So with that all said, the, like, damn, of course, anybody who they label as MAGA thinks that the indictment's bullshit and it's another witch hunt and just throw another, yeah. okay. But the most important thing is, is people who aren't necessarily, who are not MAGA, but are Republicans, that called old school Republicans, whatever term you'd want to use, also view it with the exception of like a sliver of the percentage as bullshit. And to me, that's that's the one that I want to have a conversation about. That's the one I want to have a conversation about. The MAGA, I understand it. I, I mean, it's not my mindset, but I understand it. Mm-hmm. And those who hate Trump, of course, they think it's a huge deal because it's anti-Trump. I also would imagine they probably don't think much. They probably somehow ration the, 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 the Hunter Biden situation as being benign because that would be inconvenient. Meanwhile, like those who may be MAGA would go, what about Hunter Biden? What about Hunter Biden? But then would dismiss Trump stuff. That's the the, the convenience of the bubbles. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Or I'm trying to go with this? So then the one that is the most interesting to me are those who would be Republicans but who are not big fans of Trump who say the indictment is bullshit, for lack of a better term. Obviously, that's not the way the poll was phrased. But that is what the math was. Oh, I mean, it wasn't like 60-40. It was like 90-10, something along those lines. That, to me, is where I want to have a conversation. Similar to, if we want to draw the parallel to, the Nolan Arenado thing that I found to be really surprising. And I'm talking about how that I just posted the link to the LA Times story and it was dismissed as fake. Yeah. It was dismissed as clickbait. It was dismissed as here's a here's a writer and I can't recall what institute. I know he wrote at the Washington Post. Now he's at the LA Times and he went to an Ivy League school. Went to Yale. Okay. And and he was on our show. Jorge Castillo was his name. Yep. And he's just being accused of making something up. I mean that's a serious charge. Now For I realize a if you're just nameless guy on Twitter right. texting in whatever. There's not any accountability no, no. to it. But that's what it was. Right. It's clickbait. Well why? Why? Because you don't like it. So now what we do is, if it doesn't match up with our mindsets, we just say it's not real. And that gets me back to not the MAGA and not the Rachel Maddow camps, but this group of Republicans who 
you know, I would say knows, but that's not fair, who thinks Donald Trump is not their type of person and ideally wouldn't be their candidate. But they think the January 6th indictment's bullshit. That's who I want to focus on for the purpose of this discussion. And what that tells me, and that's what will bring the discussion full circle, because that's certainly not what Seasonings is Pleasing is asking about, is at the core of these issues. And it doesn't have to do with social media. I suppose social media may exacerbate it. It has to do with where you get your quote-unquote news. And so the reality is, is for the most part, conservatives are watching Fox News. And therefore, what do you think they're saying? And that is how the opinions are formed. Mm -hmm. I get a chance to see it every time I go to Hilton Head and I stay at my parents' house. It's tough. It is tough. And I would tell you that if I were sitting there and they were watching CNN or MSNBC, it would be tough. But they're not. And so I'm sitting there and I go... Wow, like it's so, it's like watching, you know, I'm not going to say it's like watching Phil Ivey. It's watching a, a, a very below average poker player just winning pot after pot after pot. And I'm going, don't you see what he's doing? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you don't recognize what he's doing? How do you not call? What the fuck are you doing? Like, how are you, how is this trick working? Right. That's what, that's what it's like. I, and I sit there. And the moment they'll go out to dinner, and it's just me and my wife and my sons, I run to the television. <laughs> and they, you know, of course, it's, you know, they're in their 70s, and so there's 500 remotes, and you got to figure out which fucking one does anything. You're preaching the choir. Oh, my God. And I finally get the shit off. And then my dad comes home, and if it's not on, he's like, oh, you know, we're, oh, my God. That is it. That is, because I know my parents aren't, I know where they are, but they're more in the, I would think, I don't know, actually, I mean, I, we certainly don't spend time talking about it, <laughs> right. but I, I, that's, that is how it happens. That is how it has happened. And I don't know what, I don't know if, I guess I think sometimes you get into a false equivalency with going, well, then this is the Fox News of the left. That used to be people throw CNN on. I don't think that's what it was. I think CNN may have gone down that path because they saw the value of Donald Trump and how that would lead to engagement, negative engagement, but nonetheless engagement, just like Fox saw the value of Barack Obama. Um, I do not believe that if Barack Obama were white, he would have, we would have near the polarization that, that he provided. Yeah. Uh, if anybody is interested in a wager on that, I'd be more than happy to uh, engage with you on that one. So it was the perfect set of circumstances. Um, and, and I don't believe that Donald Trump were Donald Trump. Uh, I believe if somebody w- who had Donald Trump's policies, I do not believe they would have been as vehemently protested by the left as they were if it weren't Donald Trump with the one with the policies, if you follow me on that. Mm-hmm. So essentially I'm trying to draw some semblance of equivalency, albeit one is race-based and one is just simply personality-based, but I believe both. Um, and so I don't know how it's fixable, but applying it to what we were obviously talking about on on Balloon Party on 101, and I wouldn't get into on 101, and I certainly wouldn't get into on TMA, is what has happened with politics with people picking and choosing stories that they will believe if it works for their personal philosophies or who that what teams I really feel like that's what it is now what team they're cheering for um, then it then it is true and then if it goes against it 
then it is fake. And then what you do now is you shit on the writer or the reporter who who wrote the story that you don't like right. or who broadcast the story. That's that's right. that's that's the deal. Right. That's the deal. And I see I see this also with college sports, oh, certainly. I think it's the biggest. That's that that sports. that's that's where it is. Like, oh, this person's anti Mizzou. Like I get labeled as being anti Mizzou. I mean, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but it's uh, uh I think I will say it. I don't know. He would care. Ben Fredericks and I've texted about it. It's like there's this there's being a Missouri fan, but then there's being like this kind of Missouri fan. It's like I, I don't want any part of that. I don't right. want I, I get there out there and they're vocal, but I don't want them, you know. Right. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's a whole different thing. And you basically got to be standing up in the front, you know, waving your hands back and forth, talking in tongues and, you know, I'm kneeling down. Well, you were in 2020 at the altar of Eli Drinkwitz. Now it's, we'll see on Eli Drinkwitz as opposed to going, yeah, I don't know. He might be great, but he might not be. And I don't know what the hell this stuff is about him going to Auburn and, you know, but we got to sign an extension thing a couple years ago. So that is what I was talking about. The LA times thing. It stunned me as somebody who just tweeted out a link going, wow, this is a huge story. I assumed people had already seen it because I'm usually not like guy who's first to try to break a story. I wasn't breaking a story. I was reposting a link. And how how not only people who I'm, you know, I'm now in their mentions and they're shitting on and saying it's clickbait. Not everybody, but I mean, it was, it wasn't it was like, a healthy like percent. one, it's like one Twitter user said this was, this was volumes right. as you can imagine. And then also the approach that the post-dispatch took with it and other baseball writers that really surprised me. That really surprised me. Um, but specific to at least with take your pick of whomever with somebody who's in the trenches they can speak to i'm certain that they weren't just like disposing it with no basis now who was being lied to i don't know but as the colonel said someone, someone was, was being, being lied, lied to, to in that situation uh but how fans that's what i'm focused on how fans dismissed it because i think subconsciously and i did talk about this on 101 that if the cardinals are willing to part ways with Nolan Arnato. That means this run that has been ridiculously long of sustained success, whether you want to say it's been good enough or not, you, the window has closed. And in St. Louis, you don't know anything but winning baseball up until this year. It's true. That's all you know. Absolutely. 2007 was not, but there were reasons for it. This is this is the first I've seen since like the era of McGuire hitting a million home runs. This is the first losing baseball team. And has been losing since April. Because even 16, 17, and 18 were, they in, were in, it, the mix. in it till the very last in day. In the mix. And so this is a whole different thing, and I think that's what it was about. I think that's what that was about. I don't think people were necessarily acknowledging that's what it was about. I also think social media, a lot of it is, oh, I know this will get me a like. And so I'll agree with it, and then it forms your mindset, and then, and then the narrative gets just reposted, but right. with different words, and then more likes, and so on and so forth. But at its core, what that was, that was a branch off the tree, and the trunk of the tree is, if I don't like it, it is not true. Yeah, crisis and of identity. if I do not like it, the person reporting it is the enemy. Mm-hmm. And if I don't like it, that person who's reporting it is the enemy because that person is doing it for ratings or for clicks. It's fake news. And, boy, you want to talk about I talked about poison in investment groups, poison in a radio show, poison in a locker room, whatever you want to talk about. That, to me, is the ultimate poison right now in American culture. I will 
you know, I, I will. That's it. It's 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 at its core. We are not debating philosophy. We are not debating merit. We are debating facts. And if my set of facts are different than your set of facts, then how can we possibly debate debate the philosophy behind decisions? Because we're debating what's true and what's not true. And if you're adamant about something being true, and I am of the opinion that you are telling me something that is a lie, then we're not going to go very far because I'm going to be going, you're a fucking liar. You know, you're a fucking liar. Or you got your head in the sand. And that's where it is. And that is why there is a divide. To see it now go over into sports, that was the thing that stood out to me. Fans feeling one way is another. Like the, the, the riders, that was a really, that was a, that was a strange thing to me. But the fans... The, the writers, like I said, they can have sources. I, you know, and, and the credibility of Eric Gould and Ben Fredrickson, from my standpoint, A plus. So I, this wasn't about Derek Gould and Ben Fredrickson. Again, I thought the reaction to it was surprising from them, but I know they're not just doing it blindly. The fans in the moment, not just like a couple people on Twitter said, I'm talking about, you know, well, this is fake. This is no reason. How, how fuck do you know it's fa- how? Right. You don't like it. So that's why you're saying it's fake. And that is the way that people react to news that they don't like now. And then they attack the person who is the messenger. How fucked up is that? Mm-hmm. And so what people then wind up writing or broadcasting are what I call like bait. It's not clickbait. It's like bait because it's safe. Let me write something castigating Stan Kroenke bold, brave, you know. That's why I named the show Balloon Party, because I hold Joe Strauss in high regard. And I did while he was alive. This isn't like the, you know, now that he's dead, we'll talk about how great he was when he wasn't. I loved reading, because it's like, I don't know what the fuck he's going to say. But I know whatever he says, he means, and I also know he's going to back it up. Or it is backed up with research and or conversations on or off the record. And so I knew it was real, and I appreciated that. And I feel like that stuff is gone. And it's gone because it's not profitable. It's not profitable to go against whatever team you're on. And unfortunately, perhaps whatever team you're covering, if we want to apply it to the sports arena. Right. Wow. What a fucked up thing. It's like yeah. Gabe has people going, you're not a Mizzou fan. Motherfucker runs Power Mizzou. Right. And not to mention, he's a journalist, too. Like, fan and journalist... Those lines are so that he like, wants to see them fail. You know, it's just it's a, that, that, that couldn't be further from the truth. But it, it's just like if so, if you don't serve up, right, the, the bullshit that fits the narrative of the vocal wing, then and this again, this isn't specific to Mizzou fans. I'm sure anybody who covers God, I can't even imagine. I mean, God, take your pick of like real powerhouse blue blood. Holy shit! Uh, yeah. You know what that world is like. Right. So that was that was a real. Yeah, and I, I'm glad. I'm glad this guy did follow up with it in QFTA because I can elaborate in here because it because it goes into the political. But again, it's not about politics or any particular politician. It has been something that has now happened over a, a last decade or perhaps more that if you don't like it, then you just say it's not true, right. and then you attack the media. Right. And that is how we get to. We're not debating philosophy. We're not debating policy. We're debating facts yeah and if you say your facts is true and my facts are not true then how are we ever going to ever get to the part of debating philosophy so now we're just doing character character attacks and yeah i mean that was such a wow what a, what a moment that was what a, I'm like, this is fact this is clickbait going so just to be clear guy who wrote for the washington post and now writes for the la times and went to yale is putting it all on the line 
to do the bidding of the Los Angeles Dodgers or just to get clicks. And and by the way, he isn't normally their beat writer. Right. He doesn't cover uh, the R- Dodgers right. exclusively. Yeah. It is. I don't know. Wow. This is this is now. This is wow. This is where Crazy. we are now on sports. Yeah. If we want to turn the tides on something like this, when you talk about this kind of like people picking and choosing news, they talk about this, always go back to television or movies, Mm -hmm. but it goes back to the newsroom. The newsroom, the TV show that Aaron Sorkin wrote, Jeff Daniels stars in, they open with talking about the day that news changed when there used to be a rule of law saying that one hour a night for television news had to be, you could not make any money on it. You couldn't make money on it. And so my dad always talks about it. You could change all three channels that you could have, Cronkite, whoever, it would be the same news. You'd get the same news because the companies couldn't make money off it, so there's no point in sensationalizing When did that end? Do you have any idea when that ended? 70s, I want to say. Okay, well, and, 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 and so well, you've been on not as many sound stories as Doug or the Plowhawk, but well, I'll tell you, when I ask about that time in the city, I don't know if Doug asked that question when he does 60s, but a lot of families like to hear their parents or grandparents perspective on historical events we talk about the kennedy assassination oftentimes vietnam comes comes in yeah that would be another one that was the that that time 63 really to 74 watergate that was that was the end of the innocence that was the breach of trust that was the beginning of suspicion of everything government related and up until the kennedy assassination not to say that everybody was following you know you had beatniks and so on but the the tide changed right and so the we don't want news that's going to just puppet especially i think probably more so than anything with vietnam but a lot of people go it's interesting to me a lot of people who were around when kennedy was assassinated go yeah something just wasn't right about that but vietnam especially for the people i'm interviewing now who were in their teens or 20s when that was going on and they're like yeah we realized it was you know it was bullshit. And so now, as opposed to the trust, blind trust, that people had in the government and that the news was reporting the facts, that time is when it changed it. I don't really think that it was going on. Well, I don't. It was not going on like it is now in the 80s. I think the start of it was the 90s. Um, and it's just now, It's you know, it was a little flame in the 90s. Uh, I think the Clinton impeachment and Monica Lewinsky, one one network is covering it. One network was called the Clinton News Network, CNN, and that they were downplaying it. And the people who really had a problem with it or hated Clinton or, you know, take your pick or it, it, going, they're not covering it. This network is. And that was the rise of Fox News and the Newt Gingrich uh, era of uh, Congress. And then away we go, because now you get into Bush v. Gore in 2000, you get into the Iraqi invasion in 2003, you get into the the financial collapse of 2008, and then you get into Barack Obama, and then from Barack Obama you have Donald Trump. I mean, holy shit. That's We Didn't Start the Fire, part two, which I understand is out there with your favorite artist, uh, Fall Out Boy. Right, I love Fall Out Boy, but that idea of like, of like, the major news network having one hour a night where they could not make money. So essentially they would be just give you the straight news with nothing. There's no biases. There's nothing. Theoretic. I mean, theoretically, I see, I can see problems with that though. Right. Because then the government can have some semblance of control on that. For sure. And that can definitely be the case, but, News corporations would never want to do it. A, because they would lose out an hour. Oh my God. And it's one of the most profitable hours they have. No doubt. And B, it would pull the sheet over or away from what they do for the rest of the 23 hours of a, of a round yes. the clock news is now it's like, Oh, so that was the real hour. And this is all like the bullshit. Right, 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 right. So right. they could never do it. But if we really wanted to do that, 
if we really wanted to get that, that would be the only way. Because ultimately, like you said, like the the pro, like we are a country where where dollars rule everything, and if you had an opportunity where you legally could not make money, we might have more down the middle news. But that's just not the case because it's not as profitable as as sensationalized news. Right. So I, that's or the thing. I just news. don't. I don't know if I don't know how it changes. I honestly thought naive as fuck, truly naive as fuck, that as I was watching that stuff on January sixth. Like, okay, this, this is, is it. the bottom. This yeah. is it. Yeah. Like, this is it. This is kind of our domestic September 11th. And, and as I've said many a time, and I know we have new people listen, I, that was what, that's when I tuned out. That, 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 that's when I once, not, not, not January 6th, but when January 6th went from people like going, everybody was going, that was fucking terrible. And then a couple months later, now we're actually litigating and whether or not it was bad and i'm just going okay that'll that'll do it i'll be i'll be on the outside looking in and but yeah you apply now i see how it now applies to sports and it was no one on you know in st louis i was was the bad guy for saying that this is why why are we just dismissing this right and by the way why shouldn't the cardinals listen to what they have to say why do the cardinals need to walk up to Nolan Arenado and issue a statement publicly that we're not trading you could have a private conversation with them all day long right but what is this where we say we may be able to do something better for our business, but you know what? We're going to issue a statement that we won't be able to go back on that may hurt our business. The fuck is this? It's crazy. Those people will not be on my boards. <laughs> uh, no, uh, Jackson, I got to go because I got a dentist appointment, but that was a nice question from Seasonings is Please. And what do we do? Four questions? Five questions? Four, I think. But we focused on this. Ooh, and all these bubbles. I was gonna, I was going to submit that for the title of today's <laughs> podcast is mm, all these bubbles. I wonder how I'm going to stylize it, but I'll figure it out. Uh, thank you to our sponsors, uh, the great Ryan Kelly, thehomeloanexpert.com, James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency, online at carltoninsurance.net, Seth Goldcamp of Design Air Heating and Cooling, online at designairservice.com, Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies, online at evergreenstl.com, and Jamie Burkhardt, Clayton Patterson, Peter Munganess of Munganess, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota, online at stlouisacura.com and altontoyota.com. Thank you for making the podcast possible. You can always send anything in. Fire away. You can motherfuck me all you want, too. And we're still offering a bounty to piss me off. I'm upping it to $100. Oh, wow. All right. The honest is on the people. Yeah, it really is. Bring and it. I'll Venmo it to you. I mean, I am uh, I got paid on that Lucas Glover bet. Three bets. So I'm I'm riding high right now. My Venmo is, is in a good spot. Boy, I had swamp ass like him on Friday. Oh, did you? Rough. Ball striking season. Uh, for Action Jackson, I'm Tim McKernan. This has been QFTA on the Tim McKernan Show from the Home Loan Expert.com studios.